Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. I'm your host, Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And the Whitecaps are still unbeaten. We're still cock-a-hoop. What a start to the season. We're going to delve into a very... Interesting game in Orlando today, a Canadian derby, a roller coaster of a game. I described it to MDS as afterwards. We'll delve into that. We'll be looking a little bit at some other Whitecaps news of the week. We'll be talking some more Super League chat. But we're going to start the show as we've started most of these shows recently. We're going to be opening up the gift that keeps giving Steve's Christmas gift to Zach and myself, the 2011 Upper Deck. Soccer packs. We're doing a pack of show on the on the weekend shows, so we'll speed through it. Zach is his helper, Kirk, opening up the packs again. I don't have any helpers. So I'll just do this myself. And for anyone that's been a regular listener, you'll know this. But just to let people know, over the course of the season, we're coming up with our best eleven. We we had our best elevens from the packs that we'd opened so far, and ridiculously, Zach's team got voted better than mine, despite me having the best front line you could possibly get in MLS from 2011, but that, that's okay, I'm not bitter, that is why Joe Deasy is not back on the show, and Stephen Agan is never welcome on this show again. But Stephen, still- Ag- Stephen Agan, Joe Deasy, thank you so much, I thought for sure uh, Michaels would be declared. Yeah, I was pandering to Stephen. But the structure of my team and the solidity of, I think, of backline did the, did the job. And today, my team is going to be improved up front. Because my oh. first card, even though he's wearing his old uniform, oh my goodness. Uh, this is a good pack. My first card, even though he's wearing his old Deadpool uniform, is Los Angeles Juan Paulo Angel. Oh. Who will be taking over either for Jack Mack or Juan Agudelo in my, my starting eleven. Now, this is, this is interesting for me because I've got a couple here that I think will also be slotting into to my team. Definitely one. Now, we're starting should, off... Should, should we make a rule? Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt here. Should we make a rule about if the player's already on and you, the other team's starting 11, you can't use them? Oh, yes. Until they so that way you don't get duplicates. Until, yeah, yeah if, if that person removes them, then you could actually... So, Michael, you might have to remind me from time to time if I... Oh, I, yes, don't worry. Well, otherwise, I, we're, we're going to have the same teams. Yeah, oh, I, that crossed my mind earlier as well. I like that. That's that's a good rule to have. 
Well, I don't think this midfielder will make it in because my midfield is Jeff Laurentovic, uh, Roger Espinosa, and Dwayne Di Rosario. I don't think this guy will make it in. He's close though. Jack Dewsbury. Oh. Sporting Kansas City. Portland Timbers. Mm. You can put him as center back and fullback if you want. Well, I've got a good oh, center back coming up next. Steve, it's a good thing you made that rule. I just saw a future card in my pack. Um, okay. Uh, I have uh, here a uh, player, a much loved white cap. Oh, well, maybe not loved, much talked about white, white cap. In fact, he might be the ratio between talked about in time as a white cap might be the, the highest. It's Real Salt Lake's. Fabian Espindola. Oh. <laughs> he, he also might be going into my starting uh, striking unit next to Juan Pablo on Hell. I'll have to see about that. He, he He's one of the few signings in recent years that did not disappoint. <laughs> now, I think this is my centre-back that is now going to probably replace Nana Atacora oh. from Colorado Rapids, Marvell Wynn. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's good. He, he uh, started as a fullback in the league and then converted into a center back. Mm. So much pace uh, helped him recover lots. Uh, so next, I have a player who is, I believe, currently in Michael's midfield. He, uh, he uh, is, uh, I forget where he is currently, but in this card, he's playing for the Colorado Avalanche, Jeff Laurentowitz. Yes. He's in your team, right? Yes. Yeah, he's yeah. not playing for Colorado Avalanche. I don't know where you got that from. No, no, no. This card, this card is Colorado. Yeah, but it's not the Avalanche. Rapids. Oh, Rapids. sorry, Rapids. Sorry, that's a true hockey, hockey fan of Zach. Finally, comes out. We knew it. <laughs> I, I um, still remember. I still. Re I still remember walking up to a game and they had advertising on one of the parking boards. Uh, the it was the San Jose Avalanche. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember you telling me that. I, I can't remember who the original team was because I don't know if they mess, messed up the city or the uh, natural disaster. Well, I, I have a female player next. She's a keeper, literally. Jillian Lloyden. Oh, nice save. I have no idea who that is. I have a guy, I remember him, but I don't remember where he ended up or whatever. But he is midfielder from uh, the, the fire department of Chicago, Baggio Husidic. Ah. I don't, where, I don't know where he when he where he ended up later on. The poor man's Baggio. The poor. Uh, well, I've got a New York Red Bull, Dead Bull, as Zach would prefer me to call it, a midfielder, Joel Lindpear. Lind oh yeah. Oh my guys are like Estonia, right? He's Estonian. I don't know. I think he's from. I know like the name, and I could tell you nothing more about him. Okay, I have uh, uh, wearing his crew hat. Uh, a guy I don't remember well. It's uh, Andreas Mendoza. Does anyone mm. remember this guy? No. Mm -hmm. You'll remember this guy. He's from the Portland Timbers. It's another goalkeeper. I'm stacked with goalkeepers. Troy Perkins. Oh, yeah, I remember him. He is not taking over from Bill Hamid. Michael, I have a card. I might, I'm going to need your help maybe uh, double. No, maybe not. No, I don't think so. Uh, the name makes it sound like someone else, um, but uh, she is from the, oh man, I can't even read, uh, the Breakers, the Boston Breakers, uh, Kelly Smith. But this is not England's Kelly Smith, right? That's someone else, right? Might be. I don't know. Well, it says she went to Seton, Seton Hall. 
Yeah, but a lot of English players came to NCAA. Yeah, a lot, right? a lot of the top female players, because the game in England was basically nothing. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember I'm Mandy like Beckham. They so. went to Santa Clara. I'm Googling her because I think that I think that, that could be the, the, the... You know, there's a Kelly Smith who's like... Yeah, because she's doing TV stuff now over there. Well, my last one, San Jose Earthquakes. He's a defender. He's not going to make my team, though. Bobby Burling. Not oh. the most flattering picture of Bobby Burling there. He was uh, he was good in his day. Yeah, but he's he's not getting into my team. So I think my team one change Marvel win is coming in for Nana Atakora because that also gives me flexibility that I could move him to full back if I get another centre back that I want. So. This is the Kelly Smith. This oh, is wow. like the, the pr- uh, prolific uh, English national team striker. Because she she's doing all the TV stuff now on BBC yeah. and things. So oh, excellent. That's my, I think that's my best uh, card from the women's teams. I mean, you you have Christine Sinclair to go on about. Yeah, who did not make my starting eleven. She's on the bench, though. As I said, unproven at this level. So there we go. All riveted, I'm sure, by our pack opening. That's what you've tuned in for. You don't want to be hearing about a famous Whitecaps point in a Canadian derby. Well, that's disappointing because that's exactly what we're going to talk about now. Unbeaten start to the season, unbeaten in first team games in, in all of 2021. I I don't think, and I, I asked MDS and, and Andy Rose this after the game, and we'll hear about that later on, but I don't think most people, I certainly didn't, would have pegged the, the Whitecaps for being four points out of six from these first two games, and really probably should have had six points out of six from, from these two first two games. Going up against two teams that have already been in competitive action in Portland and Toronto, missing a heap of guys, makeshift defence. I'm very impressed with, with the start of the season. I said in reply to somebody on Twitter, it's hard not to get excited about what this team could be but I'm trying to temper that because I've been there before with other teams, not just the Whitecaps, and it just leads to a disappointment. But it's very, very promising as, as to what we're seeing so far, Zach. Yeah, I mean, well, you you called this, didn't you? Did you say 1-1? I said 1-1. It was 2-2, yeah. but yeah, I said 1-1. I, I, I think I called a draw too, but I yeah, I think know. you did. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we heard from MDS after the game today, but like, they have to be happy with this. Um They'll also think maybe a little bit hard done not to be at you know the full six points, but Definitely. ultimately I think how can you not be pleased that you have four out of six points uh, from these games with the limited number of players you've had, the adjusting to the you know new life in your new home base and all that kind of stuff, all the things that working the traveling for this the, the second game. I think they have to be pleased. Uh, they're going to be able to also analyze these games and see some of their weaknesses. Uh, uh, continue to work at some of their strengths, which we'll maybe we'll talk about when we get to the, breaking down the, the game a little bit more. But yeah, I think all in all, they have to be really excited about where they're at. Oh, yeah, I obviously, uh, considering, the, I thought they would have just a couple points in the first two games at the most. Uh, the fact that they're able to pull off four um, is definitely a, sure, a good sign. And, and the fact that, like you said earlier, the... They're playing with so many players that are still to be integrated. Uh, like even some of the players, like even Diver, is still um, not at full speed. Like well, somebody who started both games, he's still not at full speed. Um, that's a really good sign. I think 
the longer and longer it goes, the more chemistry they're going to have. And today there was a lot of good play from open play. It wasn't just the set pieces that they were doing. It was an open play. So that, that's a good sign. So yes, fantastic start to the season. Let's get into the match. We'll, we'll delve into the main talking points from it. It, it was a, an interesting start. I mean, the, the first half, I asked MDS about this. I, I don't think it was a particularly strong first half from the Whitecaps. They, they looked a little bit sluggish. MDS didn't feel there was it was that bad a half. I mean, it, it wasn't a bad half. It wasn't a good half. It was kind of just a, a meh half. And, I mean, they fell behind seven minutes in. Absolutely shocking. MDS said afterwards he was pissed. And he says, you've got to be tough on yourselves. And you do. I like that. That's one thing I really like about Mark. He just calls it as it is. There's no sugarcoating it. That was shocking. Schoolboy defending. It, three players switch off at a free kick, just lackadaisically, just taking their time. I don't know what they were doing. That then brings them out of position. It then leaves the Whitecaps short in the middle. Ball comes across. They're the second to all the headers that's coming in. Gonzalez then has a shot which Cropo tips away right into the path of Singh and he buries it. I mean, there was a, there's a lot of fault to go around on that goal. And, I mean, Mark's pissed now, having not watched it back. I can't wait to, to hear what he says during the week when he has watched it back. First of all, the guys that switched off at the free kick, there's no excuse for that. And why there was three of them there to begin with, I don't know. Well, don't we have to go back to the free kick itself? Wasn't it like not a great uh, conceding of a free kick by Guti? Yeah, it was. A, it was a pure. It was definitely a free kick, though. But it was a. I think it was a he, he got booked for it. Yeah, but it was. A, that's what I'm saying. Though it was a poor. It was. A it was a pure it. challenge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, it's like in this modern day football, I could have seen that reviewed for a red because he did go through and clatter, clatter his ankle, but. I mean, there's no arguing with the booking at all. So yeah, poor free kick to give away to begin with. But why have three guys just meandering there? It's like they were trying to stop the quick free kick and it completely backfired on them. Yeah, and, and then as the ball goes in, it I mean, it's not, it's it's, it's poor. It's well, really I don't know what Ranko was doing. Like no. he goes towards it and he's nowhere near it. Yeah, And then Jake isn't in his normal right-back position. I'm not blaming Jake here because he had he had to cover for all the guys that went there. So because of that, you've got Gonzalez at the back of the box completely unmarked. Somebody else should have seen, oh, Jake's had to go in the middle. I need to track Gonzalez yeah. here. Because is, Gonzalez is a beast in the yes. air. Like, he sh- he's getting I mean, on a bit now, but he's still a big, big threat there. You, you, uh, Yeah, he's getting on, but his problem is more his foot, his foot speed and all that kind of stuff. He, in the air is where he excels. And can do the damage, which he did. But it, it felt like, as much as zonal marking and all that is the way that most clubs do this, it felt like this needed to be. If if it was, it needed to be done better. A hybrid, like when you have like one or two individual threats that you know are so much greater than the others, those people need to be man marked. Like those people need to be taken out with your best, you know, marking players. Whether that's Ranko or I don't know who else you would have would have chosen, but Ranko or Rose, or I guess. But yeah, I mean, I, I know it's makeshift back there, but that I mean, that was just pure all round. I mean, what did you make of it, Steve? Yeah, that's not that's not a matter of lack of skill or lack of talent. That's just a matter of uh, la- uh, that's a lack of communication. Um, and when you're not uh, communicating the stuff on this on the field, 
Um, and I wouldn't even say that it's um, uh, like not them not playing enough times. This is forced them in the back, and the midfield have played a lot mm-hmm. um, in the last little bit, so they should be used to each other. Yeah, right they now. should be chemistry. I think whether it's somebody not noticing Jake go, changing positions or Jake not communicating that he has to go somewhere, it's, it definitely lies in a lack of communication. Should Kripo have done better? With yes. it? Yeah, he, I, I feel he could have tipped it over. It's easy yeah. for me to say not as a goalkeeper, but you do feel he could have tipped that over instead of back into the, the field of play. Yeah, he'll want that one back without a doubt. Like you, yeah, you, not just like, oh, I wish I could have got there. It's like, I think he'll feel he should have done better. I, mean, I, I think I, th- I think the way Crepeau plays, even uh, we have had such high expectations from that, even to make that sa- the save off the shot because of all the things he does. So, yeah. I mean, after that, TFC seemed quite comfortable, and I wasn't hopeful by half time that Vancouver were going to get back into it because the attack was struggling. There was a few flashes, but. They just they weren't flowing the way that they've done in the past. TFC seemed to be really be just controlling everything. It seemed it looked like a different TFC side to the one that was out against Montreal in terms of, of how they were playing. They were more rested. I think everyone expected that. Nick DeLeon had a, a chance to just shot past the the left post. That was probably the, the closest that, that they came to to really troubling the, the score sheet after that. And for the Whitecaps, there was a a Dyber Caicedo free kick that was really well taken. Bono tipped it around. It was going to the top corner, so if Bono hadn't made the save, I think it was going straight in. So we've got some good free kick threats, I feel, this year. Because we know Dahomey can take it, Caicedo can take it, Cava can take them. Uh, as we saw, Ali Adnan can take them. Even Baldy is quite good with free kicks. So, I mean, that could be a very interesting tactic for the Whitecaps this year. If they can win these fouls in and around the edge of the box, I think that could be a, a, a really key aspect of, of our attack and our threat. Without a doubt, Vancouver's uh, number one threat this year is dead balls. Like, yeah. right, as of right now, that is where they are most, uh, most, most lethal. And so... Um, yeah, you're right. They they need to take advantage of them. And they've done a pretty good job so far in the first two games of the season. I mean, half-time, were you confident that, that there would be a turnaround? I definitely wasn't. No. No, I, I felt like TFC would have sat back, and and, and, and which they did, especially uh, at the once they got the goal. And to start the second half, I felt like they were going to sit back a lot. And I wasn't sure if... The Whitecaps had enough to break them down, mm. and uh, they were they were going to have to rely on really an individual play in order to get back into this game. It it was a weird game all round, and that I I couldn't work out if TFC were just sitting back in that second half, or if their legs had just gone and they completely tired. Because I thought, oh, they've worn themselves out, but then they find a second win later on and then they looked in the ascendancy. So it was peaks and troughs for, for, for both teams. At the end of the day, a draw is probably the a fair result, just the way that the game swung back and forward. But the, the Whitecaps, especially in the attack, looked like a different team in that second half. And right, let's talk about getting back into it. 54th minute, Cava, absolutely fantastic play just weaving through the the defense it it was as if the tfc players they thought we can't stick a foot out here 
because he's come from Uruguay, he's going to go down. Richie didn't get the message. Yeah. When I when I first saw it, I thought penalty. But in this day of VAR, and because it's Cava, and because of where he's been playing, I was thinking, I wonder if he did throw himself to the ground. But he's clearly taken out. Yeah. Maybe he went down very, very dramatically, but he was definitely taken out, and you've got to do that. It's like, I, I don't blame anyone for doing that in these days. But it was a clear penalty. And then it was like, who's going to take it? And it's still Christian Dahomey. And what what a penalty. It's like, that's the kind of penalty that when it, when you've got it accurate, no keeper's saving it. Yeah, but that is the best one. Yeah, it's obviously risky because just a couple of inches wrong and that crashes off the post and out. For sure. Yeah. Yes, yeah, was, I, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I was going to say that uh, like, I was actually questioning whether it was going to be the homie taking it or not. I thought maybe they give it to Cavallini, but I guess the homie is the, uh, the spot kicker for now. Good. Um, he, he put it in the, uh, the perfect spot where, like you said, no goalkeeper, even the best goalkeeper in the world would not be able to get to that ball. And uh, there is a risk when you do that because you could either an inch here or there, and it comes out back yeah. to you. And so it's 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 a risky thing, but it's exactly what you need to do uh, um, against most good goalkeepers. Even though I think the, I don't think Alex Bono is the best, definitely not even in MLS, but he's a very solid keeper. Yeah, I Steve and I were watching it. Uh, we watched the game together on Zoom with some other people, and. One of them was a referee, and I was questioning whether or not his his run up like he had stopped uh, in it. Yes, the referee who was on the call with us, who's not a not a pro referee, but he's very high uh, high level, um, told us that yeah, no, it's okay as long as you don't um, you know stop to to stop to shoot and then kind of restart. So he said what he did was well with stutter is fine. I, I hate it. I hate stutter I, I, steps. I hate it too. I'd love it out of the game. Luva Luva scores all, most of his penalties that way, and it drives me nuts. But and uh, and, and a player like a player I on a team I a t- club I cheer for, not the owners. Yes, uh, Bruno Fernandez. Uh, he does the same thing. I can't stand it every time he does it. Maybe it's the goalkeeper in me that it would need to. I, I, need something I like. just find it so irritating. I, I actually talking of penalties. I don't know if you guys because you were watching the Zoom. I don't know if you had the sound up or not. But the, the commentators on TSN were speaking that Chris Armis had not appointed a penalty taker for today after last week. He said, I'll just let the players sort it out on the pitch. That's a recipe waiting to happen. We've seen that so many times. And that's when there is an allocated penalty taker. Yeah. That that I don't understand in, in a pro team that you I, would let that happen. I think I, I think he realised that Neymar wasn't on the pitch, so the, <laughs> that it was going to be safe to do that. No, I think I think what it was, I think what it is in that team, Michael, is he knows that if there's any issues, that Bradley will sort it out. Mm. My, Michael Bradley would not let their Michael Bradley would put his foot down and say, no, he wouldn't say I'm taking, but he'd say so and so you're taking it or so and so give him the ball or whatever. Like I think that that's why I think I think that's in that scenario, I think he has confidence that like a you know a spat isn't going to happen mm. in the middle of the middle of the field. It's Bradley's hypnotic bald head. It just gets everyone just to kind of stare at it. I mean, after that, TFC, I mean, you look at the benches again. And I mean, we'll, we'll come to who we had on the bench later on. But TFC bring on Altidore and Osorio. And they've also got Akinola on the bench. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, that, those first subs, it's like they they brought on uh, Altidore and Osorio in the, amongst the three that they brought on initially. And you're thinking, well, they're going to up the game here. 
But the Whitecaps were in the ascendancy. It's like it, TFC just had nothing. And I mean, it, it got to 2-1. Great finish from Andy Rose. Powerful header. But that ball in from Gutierrez. Oh, beautiful. Pinpoint delivery straight onto his head. Another set-piece goal. And yeah. fantastic. And he set up the goal last week too, uh, yeah. Gutierrez, with an in-swinger. With an in-swinger. This, no, that was an out-swinger. Yeah, uh, in-swinger last week. And this was an out-swinger. Yeah. So it was two opposite ways, and and Rose really connected on it well. Um, uh, Gutierrez, um, he's like a lot of people were not talking about him that much, maybe because the whole Ali Adnan is going to be the starter. But right now, if he keeps on this way, I like he could put easily give the Whitecaps an out to get rid of Ali Adnan. Yeah, well, I mean that that the thing with Ali is the longer this goes on with his visa issue. And you're getting into the summer. It's like, do the Caps just think, well, you know what? We've got a left back. He's got great potential. He's doing well. Ali prefers to be left back. Let's just cash in. Let's just get him this move to Europe. And it it solves the visa issue for one thing. But then it also frees up an international spot. There's a lot of win-win in that scenario. And I'd rather keep Ali here. Because the the idea of Ali and Guti on that left side is tantalising. It is, but but the thing is, is if you bring in, you know, the you know the number ten, right, the number ten in quote marks, uh, whether he comes in or not, um, you can move. To, uh, he plays in the middle, and you move the homey to that uh, uh, left side, and that's even better when you have Gutierrez and Dahomey on that wide area, and then you got Casido and Dahomey uh, on the wings, and that's very dangerous for mm-hmm. opposition teams. Yeah, I mean, the, the Ali Adnan thing is weird. Like, some people are saying, oh, yeah, it's because of these times. It's because of the duration he needs to be in the States. But I felt it was similar last year. But, um, yeah, so some people are questioning, is there something else going on? Um, yeah. so it is dragging on. Yeah, it seems a little bit unreasonable because things in the States, you would think, have improved, you know, for someone from Iraq trying to trying to get a visa, you know, as opposed to, Last year when they went down for the the MLS's Baxter tournament and being in Portland and all that and all that kind of stuff, so it, it yeah, it, it feels like it's it's something. It, it, the other side of what you said, Michael, the dynamic the dynamic possibilities of having two quality left sided players who you know have chemistry and can work well together, and one can be more defensive, one more more attacking, and all that kind of stuff. I think the other side is 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 Christian Gutierrez the replacement for Ali Adnan when they when they sell him, which right now. Feels like it could be sooner rather than later, and yeah. you obviously you always want to sell before the 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 best before date. So it's two one up, caps. It felt in control. Everything seemed to be going good, but then TFC just found this other gear. I don't know if it's that they just clicked, or if we sat back, or if it was a combination of both. But the the equalising goal, it was like Keystone Cops. I mean, there's so many things just wrong with that goal. The clearance, it hit off Baldy's face. It went back. Max saves it. He tries to palm it away. I think he could have done a lot better. Easy for me to say again as a keeper, but you have to feel he's got to have more strength to scoop that ball away or punch it or just do something with it. And it was a farcical way to to lose an equaliser. And it, it was like a gut punch by that point. Yeah, we were mentioning on the screen that at least Rose got a completed pass um, on that play. <laughs> uh, I think 
And Baldy should have done better with the ball because it was right off. Like he should have been able to corral it. It was he was looking right at the ball when he. Where's his nose control? Yeah, where's his nose control exactly? Yeah, no, it was unfortunate. Uh, like, it's one of those things that is so typical Whitecaps of uh, a, a way to lose points. Um, it's like it's almost like the whole like I don't know if people, you guys have heard it. Prior to the Simpsons term, it's all coming up Millhouse. Yes. Um, it's basically the white caps have turned into the wheelhouse theme. So, um, whenever they lose something like that, it's always something farcical. It seems like it. it with uh, with DC being on the bench today, how how close is he to being able to start? Because again, for all the positives that you get from a veteran like Andy Rose, and you saw that obviously he scored a goal, a goal today. Yeah. Um, I mean that that clearance is pretty pretty poor when you hit your own teammate in the face. Um, so yeah, do, how far is DC away? Michael? He's very, he's very close. It's like okay. he was in full training this week. There was questions as to whether he might even be good to go, but I think with that heat and humidity, you're playing in thirty degrees. It's yeah, his first yeah. game back. It's a long season ahead. You want to yeah. take precautions. So got a minutes. yeah, so he's got a bit of a run out. I fully expect to see Cornelius start yeah. next weekend. Yeah. Because all jokes aside, um, that clearance should not have been up the middle of the pitch. It should have been to the sideline. Yeah. yeah. Because even if you even if he like mishit it or something like that, clearing it up the middle, he could have easily sent it to another TFC player. That's so true, so that's the biggest mistake there, that it should have been done to the sideline or over the end line at the worst. And it, it's just gutting for Mac, Max Crepeau to have that as an own goal too because – yeah. Actually, actually, oh, I think, has it gone down as an own goal for him? Well, I don't know. The last Asario's, but I'm pretty sure it's an own goal because yeah, the last time I checked, it was to Asario. Well, but it's I mean, in in proper football terms, it's an own yeah. goal. Yeah, yeah. He, oh yeah. I don't know if they're going to change that. Though. It is MLS. The SWAT off the post makes it an own goal. When MLS becomes proper football, then we'll assume it's an own goal. Right. I, I think the most frustrating thing just about the whole game is it's like it was self-inflicted by the mm-hmm. Whitecaps defensively. And we saw that a few times last year. But, I mean, as much as that bothers me, I just keep telling myself, that's a makeshift defence out there. This is not the defence that's going to be going forward. So, hopefully, yeah. we won't see those things going forward. But then after that, I was concerned TFC were just going to sneak the winner. Kripo got a save. But then the Whitecaps could have won it in stoppage time, pretty much near the last kick of the game. Ryan Raposo straight through... I think he did really well. The commentators felt it was a weak shot and he didn't have a lot of power behind it. I I think if he'd been on the pitch just a few minutes more and had got a little bit of maybe juice in his legs or something. Right. right. But, I mean, the pace that he showed was great. The control he showed he was great. And it was a good save by Bono. And, I, and it, was a good, it was a good idea too because he was probably assuming the keeper was going to go with him. Because uh, he was crossing, uh, going across the box, not right at him. So he probably assumed the keeper was going to go with him. So he thought that it would be hard for him to go back opposite where he was going in order to make that save. Uh, did he, he go was, wide? I thought. I thought it went wide. No, he touched it. it. He, he touched he it past. Oh, yeah, it was. It, I agree with you guys all. It was a good save. Uh, it was a good, like good, a good effort. He, but here's the bottom line: you have to score those, especially yeah, when yeah. you're a team that score creates so little from open play. That's most chances come from. From uh, number one set pieces, number two counterattacks. When you get a counterattack opportunity like that, you have to finish it. And, yeah. and for Raposo on a personal level, you score that goal, and maybe you find your way into the starting eleven next week. You know, like, yeah, for sure. 
I, I, I really like the setup play by Cavallini too. That was what yes. you're hoping for Cavallini to do a little bit more uh, to get yeah. these wingers into dangerous positions. My, my only thought when I first saw it was I thought, why did he not take it in? Maybe chip the keeper coming out. I don't think he yeah. had time to do that. I think the defender yeah. would probably have got a, a, a tackle in. And uh, the thing is, you're, you're you're so like you know you're clinching your fist, going, oh, "If only they had waited a little bit to subs off Dahomey, because that's who Raposo came on for." Yeah, uh, that was the thing that you're like, "Oh, they just gonna because Dahomey probably uh, having played the whole game and everything, not being jittery, I think he would have been might not way more cool and collective to finish that." He game. might not have had the pace though to to even set the True. chance up because he might Very have been completely point. drained by that point because yeah. it looked sapping there. I mean, I've only been to Florida once in my life. That was in February when it was the Mickey Mouse tournament. And it was mid-20s there and it was unbearable. So like, uh-huh. to be in the 30s in the heat of the afternoon and trying to play a football match, I can only imagine. The only difference I the only difference I see there is the homies from Colombia and you're from Scotland. Where yeah, probably that, has a little bit of... that, that might play into it, I guess. But, but anyway, that is our thoughts on the game overall. Great performance, a great start to this season from the Whitecaps. Let's hear a little bit of the post-game audio now from Whitecaps head coach, Mark DeSantis. Hey there, Mark. Just, I guess, start off with your your thoughts on the game. It was kind of a, a bit of a, a roller coaster from start to finish. What did you say to the team at halftime? Because it seemed like a completely different team coming out for that second half. Michael, I... I... I think that in the first half, it wasn't a, a bad half. You know, I can't call it a bad half inside the circumstances of the of the, the, the weather and type of humidity we feel here. So I agree that the game was a roller coaster of, uh, emotionally and it's a uh, it's good game for the fans. Now, uh, we were very upset at halftime at the goal we took because I, I think it was kind of an equal game. And then, you know, when you're on the road and when you're playing a team like Toronto FC, you can't give goals away like that. You know, we there's a free kick. We're argue, arguing with the referee. They play it. It's really bad, the first goal we conceded, and we addressed it at half. And then we we just spoke about the moments of uh, of pressure that needed to be better. We spoke about in our build up uh, what needed to happen, uh, using Baldi, pushing more of of fullbacks uh, eye on the field and trying to originating uh, more goal scoring opportunities. I think that that we deserved in the moment we tied the game. We deserved uh, we were we were on Toronto. It was uh, to to get that one one and then. Uh, the team grew a lot in confidence. Then we saw a team that believed that not only we could get the point, but also the three points. And um, and we pushed, and that's when the uh, the second goal the second goal happened. Um, when they tied the game, we never felt that threatened, but we were about to make a sub that would allow us to to kind of solidify the back line and bring Derek in and close the game in those last 10 minutes. And it's too bad, the the, the bad luck. This goal, I'm very upset that we conceded the second goal. I think it's a lot of bad luck where I didn't re-see the goal again, but, you know, it bounces off Baldi's head. It stops there. It was just not 
Um, we had to hold on. Toronto's uh, believed the game changed uh, when they did the 2-2 and they got a, a, another win, and especially with the motivation of getting guys like uh, Osorio in or, or Altidore in, it brings something. Um, but then at the end, we have one of the best chances of the game uh, in a good play between Cave and Ryan. It would, it would have been fantastic for that ball to get in. Uh, good save by, by Bono. But, but again, look, we inside the challenges that we had in the preseason and how we were waiting on players on, in visas, you know, to, to win the first game against Portland, to come here and get a point. I think it's very positive now that we could build on in the next uh, two games. I mean, it's, it's a definite strong start to the season. I think when you watch it back, you will feel that both goals were basically self-inflicted in some ways. I know there's a bit of bad luck for the second one, but looking at taking the, those four points from those first two games, with everything that you've been through, you've got a two-game stand now coming up in Utah. Has the start of the season surprised you at all, or are you just delighted? I'm delighted by... You know, when when I was with the guys at UBC in the month of March and hearing so many guys being late to join the team and guys coming and going from the Olympic, from the national team, it was, I said it in some parts, that it was the, the preseason in my career as a coach that was the most unsettled. Um, there was so much, to, so many things happening. We didn't play exhibition games. So we just get to play. Uh, then at the end, the Monarchs in Chicago, we felt, you know, how would we be regarding rhythm? But what, what I see is every time we're in team meetings, every time we're in training, I see a, a, a group that is incredibly humble. Uh, they're very humble guys. They 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 like to be with each other. We have a group of guys that enjoy being close to each other. Uh, and I think that, you know, taking this season as um, and embrace it. And and uh, I would tell you that I'm delighted, even if now I'm speaking with you guys and I have flashes of situations of the game that go through my head and. Man, I, I think about probably we could have gotten three points. But look, it, it, it's there's a lot of positive for us to build on. Does this feel like two points dropped or one point earned today? There's That's a great question, man. You got me there. <laughs> <laughs> I It's a really good question. I'll answer like this. There was a moment in the game that I said, this is a good point. Uh, but then with the last chance we had, you know what's the positive thing is when I, I spoke with the players in the middle of the field, they were upset. They were upset not getting the three points. So that's a very good sign. He's a gaffer. You can try it up with him. He's a gaffer. Even when he's on a limb. He's a gaffer. When his back's against the wall. Has the answer to it all. The gaffer, MDS there, just sharing some thoughts about the game and the start to the season. Now, the the question I've got in there, uh, Ben Rigetti from the 90 Plus podcast asked it. I was going to ask it, uh, and I'm kind of mad that I didn't, but Mark can be a little bit prickly with these questions at times, but was it two points dropped, or do you just take it as a good point gained, 
or is it a bit of both, really? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think DeSantos answered the only way you can. It's both, right? Like, yeah, he said at one point, at one point, uh, I you know I felt like it was a good a good draw, but then at other points, like when Raposo is breaking in, you think there 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 could be more. So um, I think it's definitely a time. I mean, yeah, you start off, you're losing the game, you know, from a a goal that you you feel you shouldn't have allowed. So in a sense, one point feels good, but. You, you were in the ascendancy uh, later on and you were in the lead later on and you had chances later on. So, uh, yeah, it's a both it's a both and kind of question. Yeah, I agree with it. Uh, they're basically going into the game, you know, your one point would be a dream scenario, really, considering um, like the fact that you're playing in uh, conditions that you're not used to. And you're also, I think you're just traveling the day before, so you don't even have a couple days in this spot. Um, but... When you're up to one and it's like you're in the 80th minute or so or whatever minute it was, you yeah, you do feel gutted. And I like the fact that uh, when MDS was saying that, you know, the players were not happy about yeah. getting the point, and that's a, actually a positive sign that, you know, your your players aren't uh, accepting the result when they're, they wanted the whole six points. Yeah, totally agree with that. I mean, I, I feel it's a bit of both as well. I, I'm gutted because I, I do think it could have been six out of six, but in the grand scheme of things, hey, point on the road against TFC, a team that's been up to speed in those conditions, with everything that's going on, the guys that was missing, just great stuff. But that is it for this part. We're going to be back talking more Whitecaps after this. Hi, this is Andy Rose, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the last song from this month's Artist of the Month here at AFTN from Washington, D.C., Blast Off Country Style. That was a song from their 1996 mini-album, In My Arms. The last track on it, He's My Kind of Guy. Do you know who's my kind of guy? Someone who can score in a derby match. So, so far this season, that's Lucas Cavallini, Christian Dahomey and Andy Rose. My kind's a guy. Hope you've enjoyed Blast Off Country Style. Bit of a unique sound, I'm sure some of you really hate it. But we'll be back with a new Artist of the Month in next weekend's show. So let's get back to the football chat now and we're going to continue chatting about the, the Whitecaps and the TFC game a little bit in, in this part and just kind of looking ahead to, to the bigger picture. So this was a game that the Whitecaps got to travel the night before 
stay overnight, play the game. Under the new COVID rules, it's very rare that they're actually able to do that. Last season, they only got to do it twice. Once was pre-COVID, which was LA Galaxy, they won that. The other one was when they went to RSL, they won that. So MDS talked about it in the build-up to the week of the difference that that makes. Staying in the city that you're playing in the night before a game, just getting the chance to get the team together and everything like that. And, I mean, we saw it again today. It's They need to look at these COVID rules, I feel, because flying in and out of a city on the day of the game... And there was times last year that because of the rules, the Whitecaps had to be in a city at 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning when their game wasn't until 7 o'clock at night. So it's completely disrupting everything, the body clock, stuff like that. But... Hopefully there's not too many more big trips coming up. The next two games are in Salt Lake. So it's in Utah. It's like a home stand, getting used to those conditions, getting your body, getting everything up to speed. That can surely only help them. Yeah. Are we are we uh, going for the Rocky Mountain Cup at all? Oh. There, we are should, we, we, are should... we part of the... Yeah. Should we... Should we... Should we be the third wheel in another rivalry? <laughs> I like that. Let's put that out there. Let's see if we can get the other two supporters groups to, to accept. Zach, you have, you've got to get on that for us. Yeah, um, not so much. Because we, we qualify for the Rocky Mountain Cup, considering we have Rocky Mountains in our backyard too. Yeah. I, I saw I a picture was... from training this week of the, the mountains. And it's like, our mountains here are pretty spectacular, but the giant mountain behind Caio Alexandra and his photo, it just looked absolutely stunning. Yeah. Actually, let, let's talk about Kyle and also Bruno Gaspar. I'm, I'm, I like that I can kind of channel my Sean Connery now when I'm talking about these two. Kyle Alexandra, Bruno Gaspar, because it seems to have that uh, affection on it. But both on the bench today, both came on, got their first MLS minutes, back in full training this week after everything that went. It's exciting. And I, I played some audio in the preview show. If you haven't listened to that yet, go and check out the last episode. Just speaking to them both, asking them some questions. They're both so excited to be here. They both really like to be here. My favourite part, I have to say, with Bruno Gaspar was I asked the first questions. I asked in English. He understood me. He answered in English. Everyone else, all the North American journalists after me, he couldn't understand what they were asking him, and it had to get translated. <laughs> that's so awesome. That's that, that's really awesome. Um, yeah, no, it was it was good to see them make their debuts, uh, and uh, I think this is a, this is a fine way. Uh, I think it was like we talked about last week. It was good that the, the the team that won last week got to start again this week, and then you get bring these guys on to just help them get their rhythm and uh, match fitness and all that. Uh, I think of note some things that were noteworthy. Uh, one, Caillou's first pass was backwards, so I'm sure some people some people will get. On. I didn't even notice that. He got a nice welcome to MLS. Yes, and Jeez. we were we were watching on Zoom, and Steve put up an amazing background of Caillou goes to the dentist. Steve, do you have it? Oh yeah, I could put it on right now. One second. Caillou goes to the dentist. There was a bit he spat out his gum shield, and I thought it was his tooth. Yeah. I was like, oh! <laughs> when it yeah. first saw it, you're like, that thing is loose or that thing's coming out. Yeah, I think his tooth is loose. 
He might not be smiling as much in his pictures this week. There. <laughs> there it is. I'll I'll try and take a screen capture of this to to put I'll up send on it Twitter. To you. Yes, okay. I'll send it to you. Yeah. So I feel I feel bad for him, and I yeah I hope there. Well, it does look loose, but I hope there are no. Yeah. Long term issues for him. Maybe they can I, just put some gel in there to. I watched it back, and it. I mean, same with the Tybert one at the end. It didn't seem a lot in it, but Tybert was gushing. Well, Tyro, yeah, I think he just got him on the right side. Maybe, you know, Tybert pulled a Ric Flair and just started bleeding. <laughs> so. He's bleeding himself. I, I, didn't, I didn't know why they were challenging so heavily for a ball on the kick of the final whistle. <laughs> like, I know play to the whistle, but I'm pretty sure the whistle went when the ball was in the air. Yeah, that shows commitment. I like that. But, I mean, get, getting Kyle and Bruno now in the mix, that's exciting. They're going to have another week's training under their belt. Do you start them both next weekend, Steve? Yeah, I, I, I think the, I think you obviously you play by ear and see how they are in the, in the training and everything. Especially, I think this will be their uh, second week in uh, playing in the real Salt Lake condition. See how they hold up. Well, yeah, because MDS uh, said they they were struggling the first couple of days with altitude yeah. and everything like that, but they were getting into the full swing of it by the end of the week. The funny thing is, is they probably more were more used to these conditions than they would be in the Real Salt Lake conditions, um, in yeah. Brazil. But so, um, I think that you just play by ear. I think you make the decision on Thursday or so. I think one of them would be ideal. If one of them was ready, that would be really ideal. And then you could put, like I said, if you want to put, uh, uh, you can make a three-man midfield if you wish, or you could uh, put one of them on the wings, and that would that would I think really solidify the team and the way it looks on the pitch. For me, I think Kyle definitely gets the start. I'd probably put him in for Baldy. And I don't know about starting Bruno uh, at right back. I think for me, it's going to depend if if Cornelius comes in, which I think he will. Then I don't know that you make that many changes right away in the defence. Maybe just gradually change a piece. Because obviously Cornelius and Jake's going to have understanding from playing before. So I think I would maybe keep, like bring Cornelius in, keep Bruno on the bench for one more game and then maybe start him for the Montreal game. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I, I think that we might see, I think we might see like uh, like an earlier sub uh, in this game. than we Yeah, saw. maybe on the hour or something. Yeah, something more like that. Uh, when Stephen and I were watching, we, we, that's one of the things we talked about. Is like, hmm, it's a little surprising that these guys haven't been brought in al- already, or one of them at least. Um, so yeah, maybe something like that where they're going to get a full half hour in the next game, and then starting against Montreal, um, the Montreal Toronto game. The one thing about them, I guess, is that they're they're not you're not dropping points to to your uh, conference people, uh, rivals, right? Yeah, that's true. So I, maybe I don't know if that I don't know if that impacts MDS is and his coaching staff's decision about any of this, um, because I know I mean An interesting for MDS, point every, to every, to every game to. every game is important right no yeah. game is bigger than another game but um, well I mean as Mark said you win every home game take a draw on the road you're challenging for the supporter shield I like yeah. that ambition yeah. yeah yeah common sense and math at work there yep. yeah. Can't go wrong with math. Let's look at some other numbers in just now. Uh, just looking at the stats for today. 53-47 TFC shaded possession. They had 12 shots, the Whitecaps 8, but the Whitecaps had 6 of their 8 on target. Now that's pretty efficient and it's it's good to see that. 
And most and, of those were from dead balls. Yeah, 82% passing accuracy as well. So, I mean, lots of positives from that. Would you, like, it's Colorado next week. Colorado's obviously used to the altitude, so it's not an advantage there. What what changes would you make for next week's game? The thing is, is I, it all depends on what they want to go for. Like, I know you said before that, you know, you want to see Kyle come on for Bikel, or sorry, Baldissimo. No, for Baldi, yeah. But Baldi, I personally would like to see Kyle come, if you're going to do that, make him come on for Bikel, and then have Bikel come on as a defensive substitute if you can pick up that lead. So I would like to see them go for it. And if that's the case, go for the strongest attacking midfield. And um, I think uh, the thing is, Kyle can be just as defensive as Bikel, but offer more going forward. And then you have Baldissimo who could spray the ball around. And him and Gutierrez being on set pieces, I think would be very valuable. And uh, even like, because people know, people have the book on Baldissimo right now. And I think that's why Gutierrez wasn't able to get that cross in because they weren't sure where it was coming from. I think if, and again, I don't know how good Kayo is on, on set pieces. So I don't know. Maybe that might be a surprise. Maybe that plays into it. But if you have a guy who can send it in with your right and a guy who can send it in with your left, you're keeping the defense guessing. And I think that's more valuable than having Bikel on the pitch. What, what I like about bringing Kayo in though, Zach, is that he has a bit of a surprise package because apart from scouting what he's done in Brazil, it's going to be tough for Colorado to know how he's going to play. How is he going to play in the MDS system? Is, is he going to be doing box-to-box? Is he going to be coming in as an eight? So, I mean, they've got all those questions now for the Rapids next week. So I, I would start that. My, my biggest concern is left wing. Because I, Tybert, some of his some of his balls in today were good. Some of them, the delivery was was pretty poor. That that's our weak area just now, and obviously Ali missing and various other things. I'm not sure how they they might address that. You could, I guess, possibly maybe just go four three three, but I know MDS isn't wanting to tinker too much with that. Who did you say is missing? Adnan. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, Ali. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think Aaron Campbell was bringing this up on Twitter a little bit. And yeah, for 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 me, whenever uh, thirty five year old Ali Adnan gets gets to um, gets to with the team and up to speed, he goes in that spot, right? Um, that's one of the spots that they're gonna uh, you know um, improve on by by some of the uh, you know re, uh, re, uh, recruits, not new not new recruits, but old recruits that they have coming in to uh, replenish the squad. Um, so. Yeah, there is a place, there is a way to improve that. Now, you could, um, was, did I miss, Egbo was, was Egbo, I didn't see his name, was he in the substitutes list today? I didn't. I don't think he was, I don't, no. I don't think he did. Because to me, the other option is you play Dahomey on one side, and yeah. you play uh, Diber on the other side, and then you add someone else up top with, um, with, uh, with uh, Kava. And, and honestly, Michael, I think what I think what's going to happen is if they do, um, it, I, I could see down the road if a number ten does come in, that a number ten either plays up top with um, with Kava and 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 uh, Dahomey goes wide, uh, or it, it it more functionally is a four two three one, like a, just a little alteration to the four four two that they've been playing, not a major one, uh, just a minor one. Um, 
but yeah, you're right. I agree with you. That is probably the, I mean, other than, I mean, they've, they've upgraded right back now. They've added an upgrade in the midfield with Caillou, depending on whether they start them or not. That's another issue. But um, uh, the, the other two things they need to improve are the left side, which can be helped by Ali, and the attacking creativity in the central midfield, which hopefully Brazil is going to be helping them out with, which they're helping a lot of people out with right now. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about that. A couple of rumors this week. These. One minute they're shot down, then they're not shot down, and it's just who do you believe? I I don't know what to believe. I mean, my understanding is there is a number ten coming from Brazil, but it might not necessarily be either of the two names that that's been put out there this week. But it, it's exciting that these are the kind of players that the Whitecaps are are getting linked with. Players that you're talking about, oh, well, they pay seven million for him or nine million for him. It's like this is a different world to to previous years. Yeah. I I saw a little bit of negativity online. Someone was like, paying all that money for someone I've never heard of. That doesn't mean he's not a good player. It just means you no. don't watch the league that he's playing in. <laughs> I don't exactly. watch South American football. I couldn't tell you who any of these guys are. But they've done their scouting. They've done their homework. If they feel that. That style of play is going to suit. And you've got to think, you're wanting a number 10 that's going to unlock Cava, played in South America. Dahomey, played in South America. Caicedo, played in South America. Getting a South American number 10 in that plays that style of game, I don't care if I've heard of him or not. If they say he's a good player, and the stats back that up, the transfer fee backs that up, that's that's all that matters. Uh, it's it's just you're hearing all these names and nothing's getting over the line that's the frustrating aspect yeah the one thing i'll say about the people saying oh i haven't heard of it but these people i assure you i assure you at one point these people did not hear of messi or 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 even diego valeri if you're talking about mls terms oh yeah but i want to go a little higher like like i guarantee you that one point these guys never heard of messi and they're wondering well barcelona probably paid some money to get him over and i think they're probably some people are going i never heard of this messi guy well, they'll be, they'll be folk in Europe and in Germany that are yeah. like, who's Alfonso Davies? He's come from MLS. He's not going to be yeah. much of a player. Exactly. Yeah, no, that, that, you're always going to get those people. That's the thing. You don't listen to those people that chirp on this Twitter. You, 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 you trust in the scouting. I know that's hard to do when it comes to the Whitecaps. But it's, uh, it's different tr- now. Yeah, you trust in the scouting. You, you understand that they've done their work, whether by YouTube or in person. Um, and you and you and you have faith in that they are going to make the right deal because honestly, no matter how inept you think a team is, nobody wants to spend all this money on a player that they don't think they're going to like be able to flip and make money off down the road. Yeah, but I mean, it, if the Whitecaps are in conversations to bring players in from like before, it was like Porto, but it's like Gremio, Santos, and you're bandying figures of seven, nine million around, not even to own the whole player because of the weird South American player rules i mean that that's a good sign we just have to see it get over the line zach yeah this, i mean this is positive for them it's positive for their fans uh it's interesting to see how much the whitecaps are finally actually spending on stuff mm-hmm. uh, they didn't spend this much and in this kind of way uh out with the initial alfonso davies money so it's interesting to see what other kind of pressures are being put on them right now well, i told uh, you it was in a one-year bond they've got that out now with all the interest <laughs> there, there you go um yeah it's interesting to see them spend this and, and interesting to see how it's gonna all play out like um you know 
Uh, hopefully, uh, Caio has better outings than at the dentist today. Uh, hopefully, Gaspar can contribute. Hopefully, this number 10, whichever one it is, comes off and uh, uh, it can be someone who shapes the dynamic attack. Cava, hopefully, uh, scores, you know, buckets of goals, all that kind of stuff. But um, uh, time will time will tell. Uh, let's hope maybe in a week or two, uh, things are finalized or we know more. Yeah. Um- and I just want to let you guys know too that um, it was tweeted out about uh, about you know the quarter after three on Saturday afternoon by Glass City. Um, I think he he's got a bracket in from Gold, so I'm assuming this is from the Gold website that uh, Santos has rejected a Whitecaps offer uh, for Gabriel Pirani. Uh, I'm assuming that's what it's pronounced. Uh, terms were for initial two million, possibly rising to three million based on incentives. And when I look at his uh, workup in um, gold.com, it doesn't really have a value for him. So he must be a fairly new player, um, but he's only 19 years old. Yeah. Um, so I mean, he'd he plays, be looking at one of the young DP slots or the plays, new young and, player. And, and, yeah, and he plays the number 10 spot. So he definitely would yeah. fit in what they're looking for. What, what, do you, what do you, I mean, we're talking about the speculation and rumors and what, there's been obviously some conflicting reports out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people, you know, like Glass City saying that they're hearing these things going on and some of them are being reported in uh, Brazilian outlets or Brazilian Twitter accounts or whatever. Um, and then you have other local people who presumably are hearing from the Whitecaps or some people yes. within the Whitecaps that none of that's true. It's just agent talk, blah, blah, blah. What, what do you guys think is the, where's the, where does the truth lie in all this? It probably it's, it's, lies it's, somewhere between yeah, it's in the middle. Like agents are going to make up stuff in order to help out their own clients, and teams are going to uh, make up stuff in order to protect themselves against having to pay higher rates. Um, it happens all the time. I think I've mentioned to you guys this before. Um, uh, the NFL draft, um, there is constant lying to journalists by the teams in order to make a player make it seem like they're not interested in a player. Um, I, I remember one player was so badly rated by a certain team like uh, uh, uh you know against like in, in in off the record kind of thing and then they ended up drafting them and so it's like it's always going to be like that where teams are going to protect their interests so they're going to have the people that they talk to journalists to use their stories the journalists have to understand that they're not always being told the truth that's the thing yeah i mean as someone who's been lied to you know face to face many times over a long period of time by the vancouver whitecaps i can understand uh, that the comment on twitter about you know they lie to protect their own interest uh, as or as they see fit and 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 give you a non whitecaps example in in mls the going back to the very inaugural uh, super draft that the whitecaps were a part of the yeah. story oh. that darlington nagby would yeah. not play in vancouver because of his citizenship thing was a lie put by up portland by Portland, by Portland yep. people, uh, to, to help help sway public opinion or help sway him or help sway his family. And it, and it was given to a media person, basically. Mm-hmm. I think it was a media person, one of the Portland. I think the original reporter that did the. I can't remember his name now. I, I remember his face from the because he covered him for a while. Uh, but he basically put out there that this is a story, and I, whether the Whitecaps didn't do enough investigating on their own to talk to the player or not, and that would be on them. Or they just liked Omar Salgado more than Darlington Nagby. Well, Tommy wanted Nagby and Tater wanted Omar. Mm. But anyways. Anyway, let's not dig all that back up again. You got to give it to the hot dog guy on that one. But it's it's exciting. Hopefully something comes soon. I mean, all this stuff in the Brazilian papers, like there's no smoke without some kind of fire. 
But I guess we'll we'll see what happens. The other guy that was getting mentioned was Gremio's Jean. And I don't know if it's Pyre or Pierre. I want to go with yeah. Pyre because the headlines write themselves. Read yeah, my Pyre. Sure. Come on, baby, light my Pyre. All that kind of stuff. Funeral Pyre if we don't get him. But let, let's see how that plays out. We definitely need that number 10. And then once we get all the, the players here, it's going to be a very strong team. Last little bit for this part. Looking at the who scored ratings for today, the Whitecaps had the three top-rated players. Christian Gutierrez, 7.5. Cava and Dahomey both got 7.3. And overall, the team were 6.63 to Toronto's 6.39. So, I mean, they've put in a, a good shift. Andy Rose got 6.7. Rankle, yeah, 6.6. Rose would have been higher if he didn't do that off the face pass. If Cornelius starts next week... Who do you drop, Rose or Ranko? Because Ranko's not had a strong start to the season, but then neither's Andy, but Andy's coming off a goal. And he's but got we the don't experience. Know, but we, we don't see everything behind the scenes. Is it he's not having a strong season because he's got a weaker partner in the back line? Uh, somebody who really isn't a starter? Mm. Or is it because that you know he's truly not playing well? So they, the, the team, the club has to determine that themselves. Is he like overcompensating or what Rose can't offer. If he gets a better partner, does he start playing better himself? I mean, Zach, Derek had a leadership role at the Olympic qualifiers, so he might be the guy that can come in and then kind of help talk Ranko through things a little bit. Yeah, it's got to be DC for Rose, right? Like, I don't know. I, I, think... I think so. I mean, Godoy seems still out, and it's starting to get to the concerning point now because it's kind of radio silence, but... Yeah. It w- it would be a marvel for me if DC doesn't get on the pitch. <laughs> well, talking to Andy Rose, let's just round off this part in our Whitecaps chat with some post-game audio from Andy Rose. Let's hear what Andy had to say. Hey, Andy. Hey, mate. The, the start to the season, I asked Mark about this as well, with everything that was going on, Four points out of six, I think many supporters wouldn't have, have pegged that as being the case. What does that say about kind of the fighting spirit of this team? And are are you surprised, really, at, at how well the team has done to start off the season with so many key guys missing? I'm not surprised because everything we saw throughout preseason um, with guys missing, the spirit of the group, guys pushing each other, understanding that, when everybody was going to be together, what an exciting group it was going to be. Uh, I'm certainly very proud because if you go down early in a game like that, um, would have been probably easy for them to, to really step on the gas and find another one. So the fact that we didn't concede a second, we stayed strong. Uh, and then Kava has, you know, I kept saying at halftime to, to stay calm to the group because there was going to be, if, if we were, Strong defensively early in the second half, there was going to be a moment of quality for us. And that's what we have this season. You know, Kava in this kind of form has so much quality about him. We trust him to, to find a way to get us goals. Um, Daibar and, and Dajame as well. There's so much quality up there that, that we trust on the pitch. If we do a good job defensively, that there's going to be opportunities for us and, and we're going to be able to finish them. So, look, at the moment, um, we've spent a lot of time as a group in the film room and, and on the training pitch on set pieces. A lot of credit has to go to 
to, to Luke and Drew, our analysts, and to Phil especially because they, they work so hard on finding soft spots for us. And then it's about the continuity and, and certainly the quality of delivery. Uh, we had that in preseason with Leo. I was so impressed with his quality of delivery. And we've had that in the first two games between Boldy and Guti. Uh, a lot of credit has to go to those guys because they, they spend time working hard on it. And, and it makes it a lot easier for, for an attacker when, uh, when you know that you know, there's going to be dangerous balls whipped in the box every time. The, the first TFC goal... Uh, Mark, I don't know if you were listening to what Mark said. He said he's basically pissed with, with how it played out. He, what what is your take on it? It just seemed to be the, like the three guys switched off for the free kick, which then left a few you out of position and kind of undermanned it in the box. So frustrated because uh, it's it's exactly that. The first five ten minutes of of games like this in the heat. Um, against a very good side, you need to be focused and concentrated and switched on and little moments like that, clever teams will punish you. And that's exactly what it was. And I haven't had a chance to watch it back yet. Um, but as a big voice in the back line, I take responsibility for those moments for guys to be just switched on. And, and um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about being a team on set pieces by the end of the season. Let's, let's be on top in those moments. And we've done a good job attacking wise so far this season of being dangerous um defensively we need to be so switched on and, and clever teams will play balls like that like michael did and um you know we we need to be switched on and prepared for that especially early on in games you've got two games at home now in utah a chance to get used to the conditions kind of bed yourself in there how important is that going to be at this stage of the season having back-to-back home games now we're excited we're, we're really excited about that we we knew that um you know, the start of the season was a tough one. So to take four points, uh, we didn't pick up enough points like this last season where tough games, okay, in a way it feels like a loss because we're 2-1 up in a good moment. Um, but we still have to be very proud of the fact that we we came in here in a tough environment, take a point home with us. That's really encouraging because, again, it, it wasn't something that happened enough last season. Um, so let's be proud of that. Let's let's understand that the two Goals we give up are sloppy, they're preventable. Can we continue to build? Can we understand why we were in the game? All the little details, us staying tight as a group, staying compact as a group. Um, you know, we, we had a lot of good moments of possession where we could rest with the ball and then and then finding that final ball was a little bit of an issue. So can we work on that? And uh, and look, we've we've had a great time in Salt Lake so far as a team. So obviously excited to get home for a lot of us home to our families. Um, and then, you know, let's, let's not worry about the second game. Let's just focus on one game at a time, really tough match. Um, so let's focus for that for next week. What, what do you make a, a Kava's musical taste? We just heard a little bit of it coming through there. Mark doesn't seem very impressed. I'm really impressed. I think it's actually Dajame more of, and uh, I tell you what, the, the energy these guys give us and um, their positivity, um, how immersed everyone is into the group and how open they all are to, to learning and to being close. I've been so impressed with Kayo and Diber and, and Bruno. They all just want to want us to be a close group and, uh, and little things like that, that, bring out their personalities, I, th I think is awesome. You know, I love it. I think they're, they're all, um, you know, it, it's great that they have each other, but even more so the fact that they're, they're so ingrained within the group is, is just, is, it's awesome. 
Cheers, Andy. Safe travels and congrats on the goal. All righty. Thank you, guys. I got a feeling inside of me. It's kind of strange, like a story see. I don't know why, I don't know why. I guess these things have got to be. I've got a new rose, I've got a good. Yes, I knew that I always would. I can't stop to mess around. But I got a brand new Andy Rose there, very happy with the performance. Good goal from him. We'll see what next week brings. Let's just finish this part off. Quick predictions. The preview show will obviously be out midweek. How do you see next Sunday going against Colorado? Considering I've predicted a draw every time they win, I'll do it again and I'll say a 2-2 draw. Wait, wait, you picked a draw every time? I picked a draw in the first game too. I I made a joke once the starting lineup goes. I always go, can I change it now? But I didn't. So uh, it was, I did you predict had a draw, draw for the, this game too. I thought you had a win. Yeah, I did. no, I had a draw. I thought oh, I can't no. remember now. I, it's so long ago. <laughs> it feels like that. I, I thought days. you had a win or a loss. Uh, I thought only Michael had the draw. Um, I've gone loss, loss, and they've gone win tie. So I think they're due for a loss, right? So I'll just say loss. Well, I, I'm feeling very confident. I'm saying two one Whitecaps. Let's see how that plays out. Joe and the gang will be back for the preview show midweek. That's it for our Whitecaps chat in this part. But we'll be back looking at the week's action in MLS after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Wonderful sound of meatloaf there, bat out of hell. We're playing that in tribute to Jim Steinman, who sadly passed away this week. One of the best rock songwriters, I, I, I think, of our generation. Bat out of hell was an album like when I was a kid was like massive, and obviously it sold hundreds of millions of copies worldwide. And I've been listening to it again this week. It's such a quality album. I don't know if you guys are a fan of it or not. Huge fan of Meatloaf. Is that I would I, do anything for love? Is that the album? 
That's only uh, I, I remember that. I, I know I know I recognize the songs from Bad Out of Hell, but I do I know more of his uh, stuff from, from I think it was the mid nineties or something like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of like his comeback. I know more of that those songs. And if that ever comes on the on the in the car, I always sing along, like at top volume where my throat starts hurting afterwards. See, Bad Out of Hell is an album. It's got just some classics on it, like eight nine minute long songs. That yeah, it's it's just great. He was such a good songwriter and. Rest in peace. We'll be paying tribute to uh, another musician that passed away this week in a later part. But let's get to our MLS chat now. Uh, The way that we're going to do this, we're recording this in the afternoon. So we're going to talk about the games that we've all seen. And then I'll just recap the other games after this. But I want to start with Friday night's game. Action packed in many ways. Sporting Kansas City, Orlando City, one all draw, three goals ruled out for VAR after they were reviewed. One goal given, one goal not given, and then given on VAR afterwards. I I mean, they were all the correct decisions, but I tweeted this out. It's it's at the tiring stage now. You you don't know whether to celebrate or not. It's like, I'll just wait a minute, two minutes, see what happens. Overall, it was a very entertaining game. Um, the goal from Nani, the back heel, as much as I don't like Nani as a player, that was a thing of beauty. Yeah, I, you know what? I think there was more, like, that was closer to being offside than maybe not. I think if, if they're, I mean, they, they've situated these cameras at a place so they don't have a perfect angle for TV, so they don't have to show you the the, be, the best angle, it feels like. Um, but uh, it felt like he was a, like just a hair offside to me. And I think if it wasn't Nanny and whatever, then I don't, I don't know that that's a goal. And that's maybe just a cynical way to look at it. But, um, yeah, I mean, nice back heel, nice finish. Busio, great, great goal. Uh, poor uh, poor playing out of the back and, and, and Sporting's uh, press, you know, enabled them to win the ball back after a miss a missed touch playing out of the back from, uh, from Orlando. And then Busio's goal, really nice. But, Michael, why, why is your boy not playing? He's coming back from injury, so they're they're easing him in gently for a, a long season ahead. Same with Polito, but you kind of have to feel. I mean, like right now, any points dropped by Western teams to against Eastern teams is great for for the Whitecaps because there's not loads of meetings between the the East and the West this year. After the first couple of weeks, it's pretty much Western teams are just going to play Western teams, so teams are going to drop and, and gain points against each other. It was an an enjoyable game. Yeah, but the thing is, the problem with that game is it was so confusing. Um, like I didn't watch the game live, uh, but on you know in the in the in, when you search for it on Google, it'll say Sporting KC one Orlando one. Uh, but <laughs> like actually, if you look up the game like for the the rundown, and then if you look on YouTube, it's got a two one scoreline. So you're going oh, really? what the hell happened? Yeah, so it's got like the, on the broadcast. Uh, so it was two, it was basically two to one, uh, even in the eighty fifth minute. I don't know if they didn't update it or something like that. So That's... it's very odd. Like it, I think VAR confused the hell out of the people uh, showing. Yeah, the it's a, well, no wonder. It's like is it a goal? No, it's not a goal. Oh no, it's not a goal. No, it is a goal. But yeah, yeah. anyway, points drop for SKC, so that's good. We're just basically going to recap the the games in the West for most part. I do want to talk about the other Canadian team though. Montreal were in action this afternoon. Went up early, two first-half goals, Mason Toy, Zach Brogiard, two 
beautiful goals again from Montreal to put them 2-0 up. But then Nashville, I mean, they went two down last week, came back to get a drop, did it again, and then hit the woodwork twice late on as well. It's like, this is a Nashville team that seems to be starting slow and then comes good in the games. But for Montreal, they're going to be disappointed not to hold on to that. Toys strike again this week. Really, Beautiful. really quality. Two weeks, two goals, two quality goals. Where was that under Thierry Henry? Yeah. Um, Brogyards was a, 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 a fortunate deflection, but still a nice nice goal for Montreal. But it is unfortunate to see them not be able to hold on because uh, you, it's maybe a little bit like Vancouver where you get this encouraging win out of the gate and then you're, you're in, in, lead, in the lead in your second game and you still drop drop the points. Um, so yeah, a little bit a little bit disappointing. With uh, Nancy, will probably have some concerns about how they let in those uh, those two goals in, in the in the second half. There was a, another game, an early afternoon game in the Western what Conference. A Western Conference. Oh Western. yes, you're gonna say what? <laughs> what time yeah. is it, Michael? It's five past Cincinnati. A, a team showing that it doesn't really matter that you spend all those money on DPs, you still don't seem to be improving at, at any point in time, despite having a great defender as your head coach. But we're not going to look at the, the Eastern games. Okay, sorry. I, I want to look at the, the Western game that was this afternoon. First of all, did you guys know that San Jose Stadium is now called PayPal Park? Yeah, well, no, I just heard about that this week. Yeah, I only found out about that this week as well, and I was like, oh... Does that mean if you buy a ticket for the game and you're not happy, you can get a refund? <laughs> well, that was a, that was a kind of a crazy game too, a little bit. Um, now, I I didn't see it because I was busy editing Mighty's Fife show while I was trying to do a match report and watch the Whitecaps game, so I had a lot going on. But three one win, and I mean they jumped out early with, with goals. Tell me, tell me about it. So uh, the San Jose got a penalty in the first half. Uh, so Espinzo Esp- Espinoza. Espinoza, the number 10, uh, uh, stepped up to take it. Um, and he promptly got stopped by the Dallas keeper, whose name I'm forgetting right now. But uh, I think that, it's Rodriguez? No. Gonzalez? No, it's not Gonzalez. Not the kid. No, he, he's okay. going. Oh, more. More. Yeah. Uh, so, nice, like, nice save. Good job, whatever. Um, but then they gave, <laughs> gave up another penalty. Uh, handball for the second penalty. And... Um, oh, isn't it ironic? Alanis scored from the spot. Hey, I was going to do that gag when I saw he'd scored. Damn. <laughs> uh, smashed in a left-footed penalty. And then um, uh, they took the lead, or they took they extended their lead to 2-0. And now I'm forgetting who scored the second goal. It was uh, Espinosa that got the second. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was oh, yeah, in the yeah. second. He br- they, A nice pass. I think it was Young Youngworth to play this nice splitting outside of, I think, outside of his foot uh, pass between... Uh, to break the lines and whatever, and put, and put uh, Espinosa in alone with a little chip. Wonderful goal. Um, then uh, they got a third. It was Cowell. Oh. Yeah. One of those guys scored. And then Dallas got like a bit of, I think it was a rebound goal to make it 3-1. But, Michael, also of note in this game. I just saw it. It's like, <laughs> what happened with Wando? He's not had a good start to the season, has he? No, no he has not. Uh, the nightmare missed last week. And then this week, I think he's, I think he stepped on the guy. I haven't seen it. Was- it was more court. obvious than the West Ham penalty. Oh, red sending off. But they had to look at him. Don't bar, start yeah. me on that one. <laughs> he uh, was given a yellow, I think, and then it was rescinded, and they gave him a straight red. So, oh, oh damn it! I forgot you're a West Ham fan. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Didn't well, to be out for a while. I'm just watching the Wondo thing just now. I didn't see it close up. Did you see a good angle of it? Did he really stomp? 
he, he gave group? he gave a solid step on. I okay. think I think I think in uh, other leagues it might not have been called, but I only saw it in glancing view. I think that's a bit harsh. I've got to say, I've just I've just seen the the replay just now. That's why I think like in other leagues it might not have been called, um, but definitely in in this league it, it does. Mm. So the big game in the Western Conference, LAFC Seattle, it's taken place as we record this. So we'll talk about what we've seen so far, and then I'll round things off. LAFC jumping ahead two minutes in. Literally, because of a jump, and the modern day football tactic at free kicks is to put a man lying down behind the wall. The wall, boy, don't Seattle wish they had that for this one. Yeah, Atuesta, yeah, wearing the armband, steps up from the inside left channel, low free kick under the wall, and a sprawling friend of Michael uh, Stephen Fry. Nice tattoos. Uh, can't get a hand to it, and it's a nice one nil lead inside like two minutes or around. And, and and the thing is, after if you look at the replay, Stefan Fry actually goes like he kind oh, yeah. of motions the person. Why isn't anybody? But the thing is, I don't think you need to do that as long as you have one person, um, especially the guy in the middle of the box, to stay on the uh, make sure he's like set on the ground, and then he could do a deflection while coming on the ground because he can react to the shot. So th- that's the thing. You don't need to have somebody lying on the floor on the on the pitch. You just have to have somebody designated to stay and not jump. Because you don't need everybody jumping. No. And then Seattle's just tied it up as as we're recording this. Brad Smith tucking it away after Rui Diaz's header was saved well. You kind of want a draw in this one. I mean, I'm already thinking ahead to like end of season permutations. When you've got the two big teams playing, a, a draw, I think, suits the Whitecaps. Or, or do you want a team to just basically run away with it and take points off everyone else that's going to be a rival? So which one of these do you want to run away with, Michael? Is it your I'd, I'd, go with, I'd go with LFC if I had to pick one, mainly because wait, of Mark wait, Anthony Kay. Which one of these things is a rival to the Whitecaps, first of all? That's the more important question. No. Well, I don't see either one of these teams really making a difference. Who picks up points? I, I, that's, that's fair. They're, they're both yeah, probably rocks for their playoffs, aren't they? Seattle's a rival, even if Vancouver's not on their level. No, no, but I'm talking about rival. In yeah, the in playoff terms, it's like both these teams oh, are going to oh, be. Oh, that's not, yeah. that kind of rival. Oh, yeah. Both these teams are pretty. No, much if you're locks. if you're looking at the other way, you go, yeah, LAFC. I'm thinking supporter shield now after six. what MDS said. <laughs> that's why I'm thinking about rivals. And that was how it finished: one-one, sending Seattle to the top of the West. LAFC sitting second in the West at the end of Saturday's results. It was a good game, not many fireworks in it, but I think all the fireworks were served for the next Western Conference game. Minnesota United, coming off that heavy defeat from Seattle in the the first week of the season, were playing host to Real Salt Lake. RSL hadn't played a game so far this year, so this was their season opener. I think many people would have expected Minnesota to, to bounce back in this one, but it was not to be. RSL's Ecuadorian midfielder, Anderson Julio, stole the show. Two first-half goals, both on the the counter-attack. RSL played fantastic on the counter in this one. As soon as Minnesota gave them any chance to break, they did, and it proved deadly in the first half. Two goals up at half-time. Lode brought one back for Minnesota with four minutes to go, but by that point it it was too little too late. 
Minnesota's defence in this one looked terrible. And it's very surprising. We talked about it in our preview show with the additions that they'd made. That it was going to be an exciting team. And you thought they had added the MLS quality to kind of take them to the next level. Short sample size so far in these first two games. But they are not looking a good team all round so far. The big talking point though from this one came after the, the final whistle. RSL's young American keeper, David Ochoa, seemed to have been getting the gears from the, the wonder wall in that second half of the game. And at the final whistle, he was celebrating the win, turned around and booted the ball into the Minnesota support. I mean, that that's a no-no in, in any stadium around the world. You don't kick something into the fans, especially the opposition fans. That rightly sent the Minnesota players into a fury. Obviously, they were pissed off anyway, having lost the game. There was a little bit of a stramash at the the final whistle. Achoa had to be escorted off the pitch. And Adrian Heath certainly did not mince his words afterwards. In his TV interview, he gave an absolutely fantastic soundbite, saying that this young guy plays with an edge, which surprises him because he's not very good. Uh, afterwards as well, former white cat Michael Boxall called Ochoa a clown. He'd uh, apparently been time-wasting a, a lot within the 90 minutes and then just his antics after the final whistle. It'll be interesting to see whether MLS punish him, but one thing that Ochoa's now done with that is he has shown supporters around the league supporter sections behind the league, which are always behind the goal, that you can get under his skin. He is going to get a lot of abuse this year. He's brought it on himself. How he copes with it, how he reacts to it, is going to be the interesting thing now. He's still a young guy. There's been a lot of talk this season about the kind of character that he is. He's a strange dude at the, the, the best of times. But he's now basically brought the wrath of fans around MLS on him and hopefully we can get him at BC Place and yeah pile the abuse onto him and see how he reacts and it's going to be a shame if that proves to be the the big talking point coming out of the Western Conference this weekend because for me the big talking point should be Austin FC not only got their first MLS goal as a team they got their first ever win It's on the road against the Whitecaps opponents next weekend, Colorado. And wow, what a second half performance from Austin. Colorado went in at the break, 1-0 up, thanks to a 36th minute goal from Andre Shinyashiki. Pretty poor defending by, by Austin in this one. Just let the Colorado player jump with about four or five Austin guys around him just to, to head home the opener. And you thought, oh well, Colorado's probably going to push on from that. They looked pretty poor last week in that 0-0 draw with Dallas. But you thought, they're at home. Austin still trying to find their feet in the league. You'd expect the Rapids to to go on and do it in the second half. But on the hour mark, Diego Fagundes made history for the Texans. Their first ever MLS goal. And you saw what it meant to him. You saw what it meant to the players. Six minutes later, though, Austin were in dreamland. 2-1 up, 
after their Paraguayan forward Cecilio Dominguez put the ball home, cued massive celebrations from from the Austin players, and then four minutes later, even more, Dominguez again, 3-1 to Austin. Austin could have added to their tally by the end. It was a well-deserved three points for Austin after this one. I unfortunately didn't get to, to watch the match live, Really wish I had. Regular listeners will know I've been jumping on a lot of the, the Austin calls and I've taken quite a, an interest in the team this year. So, naturally, they're delighted. Absolutely cock a hoop. Let's hear a little bit now from head coach Josh Wolf about his team's historic first ever MLS win. No, I'm excited for the team. Um, obviously, it's a momentous occasion for, for this city, for this organization. Um, you know, I said it in our pregame, in our meeting. I mean, we're gonna fight together. Um, we're gonna we're gonna suffer together, and we're gonna win together. And um, we were coming out of here with points, and, and I wanted them to put that in their head right away because that, that's what we were here to do. And we did all of those things, and um, it feels good, you know, certainly as a coach. But I know how hard our staff works. I know how hard these players work. And um, you know, moments of games are up and down, but but they grinded, they fought through it. And, and there's um, you know, a lot of good feelings right now. It's one game, um, but it's exciting. First first win for this club, first goals for this club. So a lot of firsts. We'll continue those throughout the year, but um, really excited for everybody. Ownership, staff, players, fans. The fans are awesome. Awesome. Huge, you know, huge throng of people in the corner down where we're scoring goals. So I think the guys enjoyed that, and they, they, they showed their love at the end of the game really well to the fans. So great, great moment for everybody. Yeah, I think this hopefully um, – you know, it's an indication of what, what we can be. We have a lot to work on, but uh, our guys, um, you know, put a lot into that game, certainly the second half, and, and they were rewarded for it. And, and hopefully the fans appreciated that. Again, I can't say enough about their contributions before the game, during the game, and after the game. And, and that support is, um, is, is, is talked about, is well recognized. Our, our guys love the, the, the fans, the community, and, and that's, you know, that's one thing that's been there from, from the moment these guys have set, around, set their foot in, in, in Austin. And, uh, We're really proud of that, and and that connection is important. So thanks for the support. Thanks for being there. Austin FC head coach Josh Wolf there, absolutely delighted with his team's first ever MLS win, and rightly so. Austin looked good in this one. We talked about last week that the makings were there, that there is a good side there, and it's just how soon they would maybe click. I didn't expect it in the second game of the season, but... A great all-round performance. But as good as that was from Austin, you also have to look at how poor that was from Colorado. And that is certainly going to give Mark DeSantis and the Caps camp a lot of good vibes heading into that matchup next Sunday. Colorado looked poor. And the way that Austin played in that second half and knowing the way that the Whitecaps attack can play, they could have a field day in Utah next weekend I won't delve too much into that I'll leave that for the guys on the preview show Colorado's biggest threat seems to be from the air at set pieces so you maybe want to definitely make sure you've got a solid defence in there I think we talked about it in the last part but I think definitely Cornelius is going to come back for this one and use his aerial presence in that one but very very hopeful I'm going to revise my prediction now from the last part where I went with a a 2-1 win for the Caps. I'm going to say 4-1 Vancouver now in this one next Sunday. And the last match on Saturday, 
involving a Western Conference team. Well, two, in fact. Portland, at home again, this time to Houston. Aspria putting the Timbers ahead in the sixth minute. Paredes, own goal, made it 1-1 at half-time. And then Paredes made up for that, as so often happens in football. The guy that scores an own goal goes up the other end of the pitch later on and gets a goal in the proper net. 73rd minute winner, 2-1 for Portland. They're on the scoreboard after losing out to the Whitecaps last week. So what does that mean for the standings? Well, there's one game to go. Obviously, we're releasing this Sunday morning, the wee small hours of Sunday morning. And there's one game to go, which is the LA Galaxy taking on New York Red Bulls on Sunday afternoon. Kind of fancy the Galaxy to to do the business in that one. But as things stand right now in the West, Seattle, LAFC, Sporting Kansas City and the Whitecaps all tied on four points. San Jose, the Galaxy, Salt Lake, Austin, Houston and Portland all on three points. Colorado and Dallas on one. And Minnesota still to find their first point of the year. If the Galaxy can get that win against Red Bulls on Sunday, that will send them to the top of the West. A draw will send them into a share of first place. And with goal difference, you're, you're probably looking they're going to go up to fourth, pushing the Whitecaps down to fifth. But tight, tight, tight. Two weeks in, you would expect nothing more. The way that the weekend finished as well in the East, Montreal as we started talking about the start of this part, they are out on top just now. So very interesting stuff so far to start this MLS season. It's been another exciting weekend. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you want to catch up on the games, I I recommend the MLS YouTube channel, to to be honest. I mean, the Zone's got usually about four-minute highlights packages for the games. The MLS YouTube channel has seven-minute highlight packages. I feel that's enough to encompass the game to, to a really good point. And yeah, check those out. What will next week bring? Who knows, but we'll be here to get you right up to date with all of that. So that's it for the football chat in this part. We are going to finish this part though with this week's Wavelength. And for this episode's song, I've gone back to a band that we've played many times on the show before. From Norwich, England, they're called Halftime Oranges. They released a couple of football-related albums in the 90s. This is a song from the second of those called Rotterdam Nation. And it's a song about how football became trendy in the 90s onwards. Everyone has to have a team to support. If you're a famous celebrity, you've got to have a team to support. You've got to be seen to be one of the people. And with all this Super League talk this week of people just trying to latch on to the game, latch on to the sport, that is a working person sport. It's got grassroots in the working classes all around Europe and elsewhere in the world. And people just want to tag on to that and make money from it. This is the first song from that Rotterdam Nation album. It's called Any Team Will Do.
Halftime Oranges from 1997, any team will do. And for some people that just want to be seen as football supporters, whether they are or not, that's exactly how they think. And I mentioned the Super League there in the build-up to that. We are going to be back with some Super League chat after this. Hi, I'm Lucas Cavallini. You're listening to the AFD Soccer Show. If you hate me after all I say Just gotta tell her anyway. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, kind of the sound of my childhood. It was a band that were everywhere when I was growing up in Scotland in the 70s. The Bay City Rollers. They made tart and fashionable around the world. A boy band that were as popular in some areas of the world as the Beatles. Roller Mania took over the UK in the mid-70s. They had a couple of number one singles in the UK, a couple of number one singles over here in Canada. That was their very first number one in the UK from 1975, Bye Bye Baby. And the reason I'm playing that tonight is we sadly said bye-bye this week to the lead singer of the Bay City Rollers, Les McEwen, died suddenly at his home age 65 this past week, shocked everyone. He was just a, a guy that was still touring but before COVID kind of hit with his his own band and just doing basically roller covers and everything like that. They were they just were such a, a big band in the 70s and it's a sad story behind the band as well. There was some abuse by their manager of, of the guys involved. There, was tales of like drug addiction, alcoholism, and it, it's just a, 
a tale of how boy bands and these manufactured bands, although they weren't really manufactured in their case, but just how things can go off the rails very quickly. But R.I.P. Les McEwen, R.I.P. Jim Steinman. Sad week of losses in the music industry. So for this final part of the show, we're, we're going to turn our attentions over to Europe now. Yes, it's an analysis of East Fife's disastrous League One season. I, the, actually, the only thing I'll mention on that is, because of COVID, they voted that they were going to split the league after 18 games, and then the top five would play each other, and the bottom five would play each other, meaning that East Fife could end up having the second most points in the division but finishing sixth. That's how tight things were. We're currently got the fourth best points total, and we're sixth. Anyway, that's just a bugbear of mine. I won't go into that. We are, of course, talking about the European Super League. The, what a roller coaster that, that was this week. News broke on Sunday. We talked about it on our AFT and Watch Along for the Portland game. We did an East Fife Glory Days of Gold, Watch Along on Tuesday night as the news was breaking of all the English teams trying to not be the last team left in it. It was like a battle of, will the last man please turn out the lights? So that was exciting. We got to break all this news as, as it was happening during that recording. And I think and it was Tottenham. Tottenham was the last team, right? That that left officially? I don't Tottenham, know. Tottenham, the last of the big six? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think they were the ones that, uh, I think it was uh, Chelsea, Man City, um, I I don't know if it was Liverpool or Man United. Then it was Arsenal. Then it was Tottenham. Mm. I think. I think that's where it was. But we just we talked a little bit about it on on the watch along. I played some audio during the week about it as well. But we, we want to delve it a little bit into it, just to, to share our, our thoughts. We'd like to get your thoughts as well on it. It doesn't appear to be completely dead in the water if you listen to the Real Madrid Spring. chairman, yeah, who. It seems to be just lying low. It could be something that maybe springs back again. Barca as well have not officially pulled out. Now, I can't remember where I read this, but there was a report this week saying that all the clubs had signed binding agreements and if they pulled out, there was going to be a financial penalty. So someone said these clubs and like Juventus who might be in some money trouble might be hanging on because they feel they can maybe milk some money now out of these teams that have pulled out. So I don't know if that is the case or not, but I hope it's not. I hope it isn't going to come back. It could come back in some other entity, but there's been a lot of hyperbole. There's been a lot of hypocrisy in this because UEFA and FIFA, let's be honest, are pretty rotten to the core as well in the grand scheme of things. But let's have our say. Let's start with Steve. Give some thoughts about how this week played out, how you're feeling about everything now. You're obviously a Man United fan and one of the teams that was going to be involved in this. Yeah, I, I, like, uh, at the end of the show last week, you, you were asking everybody the question, what are your thoughts on it? I said, I don't care, because I was so disillusioned with the fact that I thought it was definitely going to go through that I didn't even want to speak about it. Like, I, I hated the idea that this, because I, I, at first, because I hadn't been following it all day when you brought it up, and I might, I might have missed it when you were discussing it. I thought they were going to leave the Premier League. I didn't know it was actually the Champions League that was going to get affected. So I was like, it was, and even then it's stupid because then you're not competing for the spots. You're basically given the spots. So when it first um, came out, it was kind of, it kind of sounded, sounded like, like this was yeah, going to be the new league, but it was just going to be the new midweek league. 
But yeah. then, of course, the Premier League were like, well, you're going to get kicked out of our league anyway. Yeah, so that exactly. will be your main league. Yeah, and the thing is, is that like even if even if it had been where they were still in the Premier League and they were doing this, the 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 way everybody shoots for those top four spots to get to the Champions League, that would have been all gone away because uh, these people, these teams are like uh, basically guaranteed spots in this uh, illustrious uh, position uh, league or whatever. Uh, which is funny that they call it the ESL league. Uh, I was I found that hilarious. Um, the 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 main thing was that though it was I'm I'm glad to see that my hopes were not dashed that like the the supporters of those teams in those countries actually got together and they made a difference and they did it in a somewhat civilized way where they they weren't branded like you know uh you know, like 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 thugs and everything like that they did it they protested civilly um yeah the Chelsea fan was blocked. Uh, sorry, the bus was blocked from getting into the field, and they had to like. You know, <laughs> funny, they said Peter Check to try to quell the fans. The one guy that need, didn't need to be hit in the head with something. Um, uh, it was good to see that 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 these protests actually turned it around, where eventually the owners were um, basically uh, apologizing, or some of them did, some of them didn't, apologizing for what they had done. And for as a Man United fan, it was good to see that Ed Woodward had finally stepped down. We were like, I, I knew he was going to leave in the summer, yeah. anyways, but it's good that he left. And hopefully, this gets to the point where um, that it like I've have while I followed the Manchester United, I don't like these owners. I've never liked them, and uh, they basically bled the team of like I don't know the full aspect, but you guys probably know where they bled them of debt. Basically, they took money yes. out of the team instead of spending it on the team. Well, I mean, and it so, was when they took over, that's why FC United were formed by the fans yeah. that were just pissed off by it. And it's like, exactly. I think every, even folk that hated Man United liked that team because of the yeah. principles that they showed. Yeah, and so uh, I'm glad that this is coming in and I'm hoping, and there was a lot of talk, not on the, there was even on the, on Sky Sports and stuff like that about the 50 plus one rule that Zach had yeah. talked about before. And, and on the YouTube channels that are for each of these teams, that there's a lot of talk of the 51 plus one rule. And I think the government is getting involved uh, to make sure this doesn't happen again. And they the Premier League, the Premier League has done something where they've done, they put it in the bylaw where if you try to leave again, you're automatically kicked out of the league. So yep. that's definitely a good thing. Now, th this is the thing for me. I, I think there's a lot of hypocrisy because I, I just want to pick Leeds uh, as an example. They were making sarcastic tweets. They were referring to Liverpool as Super League side, Merseyside Reds, which raised a chuckle from me. I loved that. But the yeah. thing is, if this had, say, transpired in the 90s, Leeds would, would have been, been one of these teams that would have been involved yeah. in it. If it was, say, eight or ten English teams that were going to be in it, there's other teams that have decried this that probably would have been for it, like West Ham. They were all against it, but if they'd been offered the chance to join it, they probably would have joined it. So it's because they've been left out. So I think there's hypocrisy there. Yeah, there, for sure. And the, and the thing, the thing is, there was mentioned too that in '99, uh, was it '99 or '89? I can't remember. Uh, Man City was a third division team. Yeah. At that time, so they would have been nowhere close to getting that. Um, so, yeah, I think there, there. Agree with you 100. There's a lot of teams that. If they were in that position, if those owners were in that position, they probably would have taken it. 
that's why the government needs and the Premier League needs to put in this rule because you never know who's going to be the next yeah. team at that level. They're taking the moral high ground. I'm, like that That's the thing, Zach. Like the 50 plus one has been talked about. There's a lot of folk about, oh, fan power stopped this. I would like to believe that, but I don't think that was the driving force. I think the driving force was you're going to get kicked out of your domestic leagues. Your players are going to be not allowed to play in World Cups and UEFA's and tournaments like that. And you're going to be basically isolated and on your own. And I think that's the driving force. And when governments are getting involved and calling them down, it was like panic. They, they seem genuinely baffled by this reaction because they're trying to save football. They're trying to save themselves and create a monopoly. And with all these American owners as well, and the other owners that's involved, I think they probably look at something like MLS. And to them, that's a dream, a dream model because there's no relegation. It's like you're getting, they would probably have had expansion teams paying obscene money to get a piece of this pie and then split it. So they're probably looking at that and thinking, oh, this is the way forward. And football's very different in Europe to, to what it is here. I like that fans here weren't, weren't behind it. It's like the very few people have come out that I've seen and said, oh, this is a great idea. I'm all for this. And I think that's a uniting thing as well. But do you think the German model can work for these other kind of teams and these other kind of countries? Uh, I, yeah, I believe it could, but I don't, it wouldn't be easy. It would be a bit of a painful road for road. Uh, and would, yeah, it would help, help balance things a, a little bit, or maybe if they did it across the board in like a whole division, like the Premier League championship, whatever, it might help, especially initially. But ultimately, I mean, what you see in, in Germany, um, people like to, um, speak poorly of, you know, Bayern, you know, having won eight titles in a row and, and should have won their ninth this morning, but that'll have to wait for another week. Um, but, uh, but Bayern's only done that because they've been, they've run things like so well, like they've been so excellent and running their club, not for a couple of years, not for a couple of good runs, but for decades now for like four or five decades, they've worked to build uh, what they have. And yes, because they've built it, they've been able to sustain it. Um, but no, 50 plus one, I think would, would be nice to see in other places. I don't know that you're going to see that in the modern, in the modern era. Um, but, and I do agree with you, Michael, that there is, I mean, yeah, I, I too would like to think that the fan supporter outcry uh, of all this played a significant role. Um, but you're probably right. The, the, the bigger issues uh, for these clubs is being kicked out of these leagues, which is a massive loss of, of revenue, revenue for them. Um, but I, I do hope that the fans have played a little bit, at least a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a tinging of the conscience for some of these. I, I hope so. Owners. I hope it, I hope it's made some I, of these owners worried about what now lies in store for them. Exactly. But there's, but an, I, I, there's an appetite I, over there to remove these owners. Yeah, I think I think there. I, I, well, I think don't think there was a direct uh, correlation to the owners. I do think that the the fan protests got the caught the eye of the uh, politicians, and because politicians are always looking for votes, that they jumped on the fact that everybody was against it, and they wanted to curry favor from the supporters in their in their positions. So I think that's probably more. Uh, it wasn't a direct on there. And the thing is, I've said it before. 
that you know the the European model of promotion relegation. I don't think it's going to work in North America. I think you're going to see a lot of teams like um, like fall apart if they ever get relegated out of, out of MLS, especially mm. these you know kind of like like an Austin or a Nashville. If they get relegated down, I don't think the, the, the people are not going to see. They're going to say, "Why am I going to support them? They're not even in the top league." But um, and I, just like that, I don't think a North American model is going to work in Europe. Uh, because it's just they've lived with this for over a hundred years, and there's no way that um, nobody's going to support automatic uh, placement in leagues at all. I, but the- I hope that the North American model will never be adopted and and used, uh, it, made the norm in Europe. But I yeah. do have I do have a glimmer of hope that something like the Canadian Premier League or Canadian football in general can come to a place where promotion and relegation mm-hmm. is a part of it. But it has to take time. Ha- though. You're yeah, also totally. talking different scales financially as well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it has to be done in 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 time and with intention. And that's the one good thing about how the CPL set up. They set up from the beginning saying this is our long term yeah. goal. Yeah. Um, they may never realize that goal, and that would be unfortunate. But unlike MLS, at least that 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 is something that's on the table and a part of the discussion for everyone who's currently involved and those who are going to be involved um, in the in the future. Um, if I can just give, uh, for those who want to know more about 50 plus one, feel free to check out the, uh, the, the, the latest, uh, podcast of Gagan pressing, which is our friend. Yes. He gives a very good breakdown of 50 plus one, including the uh, exemptions to that, like, uh, Wolfsburg and, um, Leverkusen, uh, also Hoffenheim. Edwell. And he speaks about Dead Bull as well. So uh, feel free to feel free to check it out if you want a deeper dive into that. It's a, uh, something I listen to weekly and, and really really appreciate. But uh, no, I mean the one thing is, Michael, who's still involved? Real Madrid's still involved. Barcelona Barca. is sort of involved. And there's one Italian team too. Juventus, think, right? right? Juventus is sort of. I think of, it's Juventus. One or yeah, two. Bo- bo- both of them. Yeah, it is Juventus because both the Milan size pulled out. This is the bigger problem with things with with Madrid with Madrid and Barcelona. Their problem is they have not built their football clubs to be sustainable in the long run. The way sure. that they buy buy the biggest players and do yeah. and do business is not sustainable. And so they keep having to like I remember back in the, in the, the 2000s or something. I think Re, uh, Real had to like more remortgage their training facility with a bank or something. Like they had to get money, so they gave like they or they sold their training facility or let, whatever. I mean, they might have bought it back later. I don't know all the details, but. Like they just they don't have a good business model that enables them to um, live within their means in the short and the long term. And so this for both of them is like a, a lifeline to continue to go for X number of years or or even longer and continue to have a model where they can potentially uh, have cash and cash inflections uh, inflections to their club that allow them to maintain uh, you know, a high, sp- a high expenditure without having to do anything else in terms of, in terms of generating uh, funds for them. So, and, and maybe they feel maxed out in terms of what they can make in uh, their La Liga TV contract and from the champions league and whatever. And so they're just, ex- they've been exploring things, but ultimately their models uh, have created them the big brands around the world that big clubs around the world that people love, but it, it's not sustainable, and so something needs to be needs to be done, not just to keep those them going in that way, but they themselves have to recognize that what they've been doing is not good enough, and they need to ultimately, I think, at least in part, change their approach. And that's where either you, for me, the, either you go where 
you can have a, a German model where everybody stays in their kind of where they're able to maintain, uh, where they buy players cheap, develop them and sell them off. Or, uh, and I know, Zach, you're not going to like this, but you go with the English model where um, you have a number of teams that are potentially, well, yeah, some years it's only one or two, but a number of teams can win on any given day where in La Liga, you feel like it's the three top teams that can only win. And that's the issue. And it, it was Germany, true for the longest time. Yeah, in Germany, you only have one team, but every team kind of plays within their means, so they're not financially strapped down the road. Um, so that's the where they're able to survive. But that's because German football per, puts some things in place to make it that way. They put yeah, in exactly that you can't overspend your expenditures yep. because they yeah. had clubs like massive, massive clubs in in Germany like Stuttgart years ago were in like financial ruin because they were overspending because they had qualified for one Champions League and then well, qualified. That's for how league. Leeds got in a mess. Exactly, and it, it's exactly. taken them twenty years to Get recover. Back. Totally for sure. And so Germany put some like uh, it's like when you go bowling with children and you put the things up and. <laughs> saying we're not going to let you fall off a cliff on either side of this so there are rules you have to follow and uh, essentially each year i forget the language and all the details but it's essentially to have a license uh footballing license for your club to be in your league you have to fulfill certain criteria and so uh the 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 authorities and the community came together to try and form some of these things to make it so that their clubs don't get into these places where they're overspending now that has created things where yes Clubs feel the need if they want to try and push on means maybe they'll have to sell player X or player yeah. Y. Or, um, yes, Bundesliga clubs have adopted in the last 10, 20 years this idea of bringing in players for a certain time, knowing that they're going to sell them on to some of these these leagues that maybe overpay for players, if you will. Leagues like yeah. England, Spain, really, sometimes yeah. Italy. And so, uh, you know, that's why one of my favorite things about watching those leagues is seeing, oh, all the former Bundesliga players who excelled in the Bundesliga got sold for big money. That enabled their clubs to continue to try and try and progress. But you're right. Sure. It, does, it does create issues where for some of those clubs um, where you have a good, a, a good run of a year or maybe two, it's hard to keep the team together. Um, it, or it, can, it can be, especially if you don't have uh, you know, uh, continued success in that, to say that third year. But like yeah. UEFA's got their financial fair play. They have to enforce it. They have to like not just give folks suspended fines or then lose court cases and appeals and all that nonsense. Totally. It's like enforce it. Make sure this, it happens. This is, and this, I mean, you can, you can, you can take this issue, you, you, sorry, you can take the approach they took with this issue into other things like, you know, racism in stadiums and, and all these other different problems that we have in football. But this was a time where you saw the threat. You, you saw UEFA, you saw FIFA take out the big stick and say, look, you can, sure, you can make this decision. You can take this, this you can go down that road. But here are the consequences. Yeah. You're not a part of us anymore. And they're worried about losing their power. I mean, it's like yeah. we're losing that. Oh, we're yeah. losing our grip so, and everything. I'm not. I'm not saying those are those are all sweethearts and they all have perfect approaches. Yeah. But they used the one thing they could to actually bring these people in line. And yeah, I think that part of the the, the side conversations I've heard in the last week is why don't they do this when there are other uh, serious issues, uh, whether it's around finances, like you said, with fair play, Michael, or you know, racism. I've heard lots of people talk about it this week. Why don't they just you know take out this big kind of stick for clubs that have these issues in their in their grounds or or, or whatever. 
um, or with players who, you know, have issues or whatever. So it'll be interesting seeing how this shapes other issues going forward as well. Absolutely. And last little bit I'm just going to say on it is I, I find a lot of the, the top leagues, the top tiers around Europe boring. Scotland's been boring for years. Even when it was a two-horse race, it's like it's been boring. English premierships, boring. I've always preferred the championship, but now it's having the knock-on effect that you've got these teams that's come down from the premiership that then walk away now with the championship. Watford's back up again. So it just leads to yo-yo clubs. Like Italy, Spain, Germany. It's like, you know who's France. You know who's going to win the leagues every year. It, well, it, needs, it, it needs an overhaul in, in general. And I don't know what the, the answer is. That's for, for a whole other day. The, oh, I want I want I want to give a sh- quick shout out though because I know Zach's give a shout out to the podcast. If anybody's looking, they're not sure what happened. Like they want to know exactly what happened. Go to YouTube, Tifo Football. Uh, search that channel. They had a fantastic timeline. The timeline of the rise and fall, like a perfect timeline of what happened during those like forty eight hours. The, the other it was thing, so that, entertaining. Michael, the other thing I do want to say because I've heard some other people in the Canadian football world. Uh, make statements that have been uh, ignorant and misleading. Uh, the German clubs in, in this, uh, Bayern and Dortmund, uh, didn't make the decisions they made. Uh, I've heard some people use the phrase, I believe it was, hiding behind their federations. Like they didn't join this because they knew their federations were going to oppose them or cause problems or whatever. I, I, I don't think that's the truth here. I think, I think both Bayern and Borussia Dortmund know that there's no more so that for them it would cause problems with their fans, mm-hmm. number one. And two, I think they knew that it's not the answer. This is not the answer of of curing the the issues that uh, that lie in European football. And 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 I, I haven't. I don't think I read the Dortmund statement, but I know in the Bayern statement they said, "Look, the UEFA Champions League, uh, re- the rejigging of it uh, is is a step in the right direction. It's not the end goal, but it's a step in the right direction, and we need to keep to work at this together." Uh, yeah, we need to keep the work of this together. So for those who are, you know, hearing maybe from some, some voices in Canada, like, or other places that, you know, oh, Byron and Borussia, they're just, oh, they're just, they, they couldn't make a decision for themselves and they're just hiding. No, these, I, be, I believe that these clubs made the decision because they felt that this was the right thing to do. Um, and I think, uh, I think they need to be respected for that. So that's some of our thoughts on the rise and fall of the, the failed Super League. Before we get into any more of that, I just want to play a little bit of audio now from during the week. It was after everything had basically collapsed and Caps coach Mark DeSantis was asked for his thoughts on the Super League. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, I grew up in soccer in Europe. So I'm born in Montreal, but at the age of nine, my parents moved to Portugal and I moved to Portugal and I grew up there. And I... Uh, the culture towards the game and the culture that um, the game has in Europe uh, is very different. And I felt that if you want to try to create a sort of a NBA or type of a kind of a North American model in Europe, it's not going to work. You have to deserve in Europe. Uh, small teams qualify to Champions League. The dream is there all the time. Uh, the dream of small teams achieving things. But I think what was going on is a little bit of a reflection of our society too. A society that is um, 
money-driven society that sometimes the rich try to get richer and we forget about the people that have other type of needs. Me, I'm against the Super League. I'm glad that uh, that the, the Super League felt pressure and a lot of people came out and even I, I listened to an owner apologize um, and and hopefully many owners understood that um, soccer in Europe is 100 years, more than 100 years old. There's a culture around the game. And if you want to get to a super status, you have to deserve it. And calling it a super league, um, you have to deserve to be in the super status that is Champions League. And I'm glad that things unfold. Somebody in Spain said something very well. And uh, a reporter in Spain said that it looked like the the first world war in soccer, in the soccer world. And uh, I think it looked like that. And I'm glad that it looks like uh, nothing's going to happen with the Super League right now. Mark DeSantis there just talking about the failure of the Super League and how he feels it would be disastrous and just against everything that he basically stands for in the world of football but, I mean, things certainly look like they, they need to change across European football. I mean, I don't know what the answer is. You've got the Dutch and the Belgian leagues looking to, to merge. Before this, I haven't seen this mentioned much, but a couple of years ago, it was thrown out there, there was all the rumours that the English Premier were going to be a closed shop and it was just going to be like the MLS model. And then that there was outrage about that. This week... It's been reported that a British league is back on the table with Celtic and Rangers going down to join the English teams. In Scotland, we would love that because it would give us a, an actual competitive league if you get rid of those yeah. two. But I, I mean, I don't know what the answer is. It's something to rumble on. I enjoy having these kind of conversations. I hope we have more of them down the line in the show, not just about MLS. Part of the yeah, answer- I- well, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, I hope we don't, because I don't want to see this come back. To, <laughs> oh, no, not necessarily about Super League, but just general yeah. football talk. Yeah. Part of the answer, Michael, has to be spending within your means. Yes. Like, yeah, 100%. Like that, that, MLS is a lot of faults, but the cap here is is wonderful. I like it. Well, I think the, I think the MLS has a different... I think they have both ends of the spectrum, where they have people who are want to keep costs low so that they can make money, and they have clubs where they want to keep loss low so they don't lose money so i think they need to have a, a healthier middle or move towards a healthier mm-hmm. middle which is maybe uh in some ways painful for both ends <laughs> um but no i think that it's the it's the not spending me on your means that is that is the that is the key i think the key here because when you've seen these things close right you, mexico i think was an example brazil i think is in the same thing argentina They've done these things where it's like, no, we're going to lose a big club because they had a terrible season and then it's going to be, you know, financial catastrophe. So they've rejigged the rules or have stadium quotas and like whatever, or or we're going to change relegation to be based on how you finished over the last five years and we'll get out the calculator and, you know, take an hour to figure out who's getting relegated. No, like it, it needs to be how you need to not spend beyond what you have. And you need to be prepared for what happens if we get relegated. You're, you're prepared for it with all your players. You put it in your contract with your players saying, if we get relegated, you can leave or you make less money or whatever. They need to do like they need to do the same thing in the running of, of the club. Just I mean, just think about this, right? If you if you and I spend more than we have, what happens to us? 
we're in trouble, right? We have to take a loan or we have to uh, raise more revenue or we have to stop spending until we can, you know, or, you know, we, we, we make meals with stuff we have in the house before we can go grocery shopping again. Right. And uh, yeah, I think Barcelona and Real Madrid, and I guess maybe Juventus have just been like, they've been spending money they don't have. And now they want other people to give them more money just because they're kind of rich or they're cool or they're whatever. And I, I don't think that's that works. I've heard people describe it, um, you know, talking about what's happened in, in uh, North America over the last, whatever, 12 years or so saying, you know, we have, we, we, we have in, in North America, we have a capitalistic system, right? And that's how it works. And, except for when these, all these, um, all these big uh, corporations fail, capitalism would say, let them die. That's, a, that's how capitalism works. But no, on the way on the way down, as these things are dying, then we enact socialism and we give them all money to keep them afloat because we're worried about the bigger economy and all the effects. And I'm not an economist, so I I know I don't have a, a full grasp on all elements of this and how the market and how all the economics work. But that just doesn't seem doesn't seem right. No, right? yeah. I mean it's like that no, I, with all the COVID government handouts going to big yeah. businesses and that. But that's that's a whole yeah. other discussion. Uh, my my friend was asking me like you wanted an explanation and the best way I described it was like the clubs are essentially teen teenagers who are uh, uh, have a job and are making money but spend too much and then have to go to their owners who are the parents and asking for them to pay off their credit card bills essentially um, on the opposite way uh, this is the way I describe Man United Man United are uh, are like teenagers who play, who like are in the entertainment industry where the parents actually take money from the kids. So that's the, that's the way I describe. That's the best way I figured that he understood. He actually figured it out at that point. So that's a for me. That's and I, I not coming. I didn't come up with that. I heard it from somebody else. So that was the best description I heard of it. The fact that four of these owners are American owned and that some of these clubs have ties to J.P. Morgan, who is supposed to be financing well, all. Uh, well, the one thing is JP JP Morgan uh, apologized too at one point. They put out a statement. They apologized for uh, jumping in on this, and and I think they got downgraded. They're, they did something something got like an ethics rating or yeah. credit or something weird like that. So Dude. I don't know if I don't know if this is going to happen again because if if they can't get the people money behind it, if those people are going to be stepping out, maybe this doesn't happen. Was also was Amazon Prime supposed to do the be the the video? The... No, they said they said they're not going to be film. They're not. No, the the zone was involved. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Prime Prime jumped on on the to be uh, uh, be the good guys and said, yeah, we're not doing this, even oh. though they were never announced to do it at all. Anyway, interesting chat. I do think we might see it again in a couple of years, but in a different kind of format or pitched in a different way that's not such a closed shop. Could it come back as like a like a post-season tournament where it's it's like mm. basically after the Champions League is over and then they bring in all the big clubs and they do a, a final tournament afterwards or something like that? Do you think that's possible? Could, but then you've also got World Cup and Euros in the summer that then puts yeah. a lot of stress. But it, I mean, it could maybe, be a preseason maybe, thing for sure. The preseason I mean, thing, though, a lot of people don't take that preseason into account because of the fact that it is uh, maybe they do it. Like for me, ideally, like the Cup Winners' Cup, like after every, all, the Champions League is over and everybody's won their domestic league, then you bring in the Cup winners from the the European leagues and they do a quick tournament. Hmm. That would be really an entertaining. I'd enjoy that. A lot of people, 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, my, a couple of things. One, Michael, and you and I are on the same page of this. I miss the Champions League being a Champions League. I miss the Cup Winners' Cup. And I miss the yeah. Europe Cup being a meaningful tournament for everyone else. Uh, I'm with you guys on that too. Yeah. So we're all on the same page of that. Um, Steve, uh, just one thing about what you said. I think if something like that were to happen, and it does sound interesting, I, I will say that. If something like that were to happen, I think one of the things that would need to happen is you can't keep um, – you, it feels like you can't keep adding to the footballing calendar. Yeah, so that's the problem. One of the, one of the things that needs to happen, and this would hurt the Premier League, and I don't think you can get this past in the Premier League, is you actually need to make the league smaller. So I think it's at 20 teams. For sure. It's been at yeah. 24, which is way too much. The, I think the championship is 24. That's ridiculous. I think these leagues need to be smaller. I think 18 should be the max. I think 16 is 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 probably good enough. Just think about how you would raise the level and quality of football if that was the case. Yeah. Then you're or you reduce or, or you reduce the Champions League. You could reduce the Champions League season as well. That's possible. Yeah, that's, that's, possible. Their, that's their big money the big maker, yeah. though. But yeah, that's true. But, but if you if you decrease the leagues that way, then you have time for what you're talking about, Steve. Maybe you have yeah. two or three weeks at the end of a season. You all go to Lisbon like last year for the Champions League, and you have a tournament. Right, like there's the potential for something like that, but um, I, I don't know if that what you're suggesting would be would cure all the ails of what the people have been talking about. Yeah, it would be definitely something exciting to talk about and see and 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 see how it would play out and if it could um, help our current situation. Yeah, let us know your thoughts, listeners. We'd love to hear that as well. But that is it for a jam-packed and very varied AFT and soccer show for this week. Thank you for spending your time with us. Thank you guys for giving up your Saturday afternoon to record all this. I know it's been a busy day for all of us. But just before we go, Steve, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. For me, it's at ZacharyAM. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Check out all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. Turn on notifications and you'll know when we go live with our next video. But that is it for this week. A week that has seen the Whitecaps remain unbeaten in MLS play, a Super League start and finish in the space of a couple of days, and a lot of good talking points. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend and week. We'll be back soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Stay safe and take care. And mourn the Caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. <laughs>